Prospects After Dark. It is uh, the 1st of December, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, I, I guess I'm not ready for that. I'm not prepared for any of that. Uh, look, I imagine that we're going to have somewhat of a, a, a very little bit more low-key episode tonight. Uh, just my me anticipating stuff. There really hasn't been a lot in the way of news, especially in regards to the Cardinals. Uh, it seems like people are still trying to get over their family issues, uh, which, I mean, obviously... Uh, and all that other stuff. But look, we have plenty to talk about as Jack and a, a bunch of numbers uh, chimes in here. He says, what's up, Kyle? Can't stay long, but I'm here for now. Jack, thank you so much for being here, uh, even for momentarily as it might be. Uh, uh, Cards Gift says, purple pad beanie returns. That is right. Look, I think that the, uh, uh, look, all the beanies I love. I, I'm, I'm lucky I have four beanies that Gifts has provided me with. I've got the purple pad. I've got the red birds. I've got the black birds. And I've got a black pad, too. I love all of those. Uh, Matt Thompson says, what's up, Pimpin? What's up, Matt? How are you, bud? Uh, face it, finally made it. Welcome back, everyone. Austin Stone, nothing better than pad while I'm taking a dump. That's right. Pad uh, and taking dumps, uh, they kind of go hand in hand, literally. Uh, love my purple-headed warrior. That's right. What's up, Jeff? How are you? I1X says, it's a Barney the Dinosaur night. Yeah, I'm wearing all purple and the purple plate in the back. i uh, just trying to represent for uh, uh, PBS television shows. Drake Man says, I've missed the last couple, but here today, what's up, man? Uh, Drake, how are you, bud? Welcome back to Prospects After Dark. Trevor Huth says, Pat is the official sponsor of dumps, I've heard. Dumps, all bodily functions, uh, farts, burps, uh, secretions, vomitus, as we found out this weekend over at the Reese Foundation. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, anything that, any noise or, hi, Tara, how are you? Uh, any noise or, or uh, secretion that a body can make. Pat is the official late-night talk show of that. Uh, look, we have prospect talk, especially. I We've already, at Birds on the Black, we've already published the uh, the rundown for the starting pitchers, the drafted pitchers, the relief pitchers. Tomorrow, we'll get into the catchers. We'll uh, do third baseman after that, and then utility infielders, utility fielders, first baseman. Then we'll finish with the outfielders. Uh, the big crescendo is the outfield. Uh, friggin' Cards, hey, what's up, friggin' Cards? Uh, happy Thanksgiving, bud. Hello from a snowy New York, Kyle. Yeah, hello, Victoria. Welcome to Prospects After Dark. We uh, we were at my mom's today, and we were watching some football action, and they kept chiming in with uh, uh, that New York Giants game where it was snowing uh, at the Meadowlands. I love that. That's awesome. Trent Wilson, what up, son? What is up, Trent? Uh, Austin Stone says, were you surprised that Montero got put on the 40? No, no. I You know, I could understand why some people would be surprised that Elias Montero uh, uh, will get to the third baseman here on Tuesday. Let me, let me double check. Tuesday. We'll get to the third baseman here on Tuesday. Uh, but no, there's no reason. Look, he struggled in 2019. He did a lot of making up, trying to trying to make up for lost time because of injury when he when he was playing. Uh, overextended himself, overexpanded his strike zone. He's a better hitter than what he showed in 2019. There's no doubt about that. I think we're going to see that for sure in 2020. I don't know what variation it's going to be. Uh, you know, he struck out a ton in the Arizona Fall League. Walked plenty in the Arizona Fall League, for him at least, uh, following what we saw in 2019. And uh, it's, it's just a matter of him getting back on track and feeling comfortable at the dish in 2018, like he did in 2018. He's too good of a hitter with too patient of approach to be as bad as he was in 2019. But that we see that kind of stuff with prospects that are trying to make up for lost time. And he lost a lot of time with various injuries. Uh, you know, again, I, I just want to say, uh, Ionex says, what prospect has the best power potential? Well, you know... That's kind of a loaded question because I don't think you'll be able to find anyone other than Nolan Gorman. Like, everyone's going to say Nolan Gorman. And when you're talking about in-game power potential, it makes it more difficult. You know, I, I would say that if you're still talking about prospects like I'm talking about prospects, 
you know, I include Jag in the outfield. And 32 home runs, you know, even using today, the baseball from today and age, uh, this day and age, rather, uh, uh, it's still a decent amount of home runs. Like, that's actual in-game power production. Uh, granted, he's old for the league, and he's been in the league now for 75 years or something like that. Uh, but it's hard to steer away from Jag when you're talking about that, even with Nolan Gorman. If you're talking about, like, super raw power with in-game potential that hasn't manifested, you know, Leandro Cedeno, uh, uh he's one. Uh, Terry Fuller we've talked about. You know, uh, there's some guys with surprising pop. Uh, Victor, if, uh, uh, Victor Garcia, uh, shout out to Graham. If Victor Garcia ever gets his feet underneath him, he could end up being a guy who produces a lot of power. It's just a matter of getting in there. You know, just because Luke and Baker hit a bunch of doubles and didn't really have power manifest doesn't mean that we're not going to see Luke and Baker all of a sudden hit 30 home runs next year in the Texas League. I could very well see that happening. Uh, let's see. Drake Mann says, is Jag the first one traded? Uh, is Jag the first one traded? You know, that's a tough one because I don't know what kind of – it goes back to what kind of trade value does a 26 turning 27 in the 2020 season – uh, uh, outfielder who plays a great right field with the best arm in the organization, but only hits for power and strikes out too much and doesn't get on base enough. What kind of value does that kind of guy have in today's day and age? You know, trading wise, I, I would imagine the Cardinals would try to make a move to get him off the 40 man and to get some return for him. But I don't know how they make that happen. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. I would think that he's definitely one of the guys that if the Cardinals needed to make a spot on the 40 man roster, he'd be one of the guys that they'd seriously consider moving off of it. Uh, Megan's in here. Hello. Uh, uh, Allah Moses says, hi, Kyle. I'm so happy to be here. Charlie, uh, my cousin, Charlie, I'm going to raise my glass to Charlie real fast. Uh, my glass of four roses bourbon. Uh, Charlie, I love you. Happy Thanksgiving, bud. Uh, I hope you and April had a great time in Atlanta celebrating. Uh, if that's where you were, I don't know. And I honestly don't want to know. I don't care. But uh, uh, to you, buddy, happy Thanksgiving. Kumat says, uh, Kumat one says, Saints versus Niners. Who you think it'll win? I'm going to say the Niners. You know, Niners dropped that game today to the Ravens. But, uh, you know, I don't watch NFL very much. And I watched pretty much all of the Niners-Ravens game today. And that was a really good game. Like, the, the referees stayed out of it until pretty much the end of the game, which was nice. Both of those teams are really good. They're really fun. And, you know, just because the Ravens won today, I'm not down on the Niners. I wasn't up on the on Niners. I didn't have any standing at all in regards to the Niners. But that game was a lot of fun to watch. So I, I'm going to root for the Niners until I see more of the Saints. Our good friend Jay Duda2 says, love those Mets accounts that make these ironic ex-Met player equals greater than ex-superstar shit post. Kill me. I don't know what you're talking about, but you know what, Jay Duda, if you love them, I love them too. Uh, Redbird Nerd says, do Cardinals need a veteran innings eater to avoid innings limit or uh, on some of the young pitchers? I think that all just goes down to like, I think they view it as having their veteran innings eater. I think in their mind. Adam Wainwright is a veteran innings eater. I think in their mind, Miles Michaelis is a veteran a veteran innings eater. You know, I wouldn't doubt at all if they view at this point, while he's not a veteran, Dakota Hudson is a guy who's eating innings. I think from like a logistical standpoint, if you're running a front office, yes, it would be great to have another guy that you could rely on to eat innings. Uh, but I think more than likely what they're going to hope on is that they could get 150 innings out of Carlos Martinez and then just have the other four guys that we mentioned continue to uh, uh, to to give the innings that they gave in 2019 and hope for the best. Look, I, I've been on board as saying that the one thing about the Cardinals not being aggressive early in the offseason that I like is I believe that that allows them in February to take advantage of a market that has rescinded back to them. If the last two years in particular in the free agent market have taught us anything, it's that uh, uh, teams don't budge off of what they're willing to pay and you know what they're willing to spend. Uh, it's the players who have to. 
And uh, uh, that's just what I think the Cardinals are in the position to do. I think that's what they want to do, and I think we'll see that. And if that ends up being a veteran starter that can eat some innings, you know, someone we, – we, we bring him up here a lot, someone like Cole Hamels. Uh, I could very well see something like that happening. But I think right now the Cardinals are just waiting to continue to get – and now remember, it's been reported that Carlos Martinez has to check in. They've asked him to check in uh, uh, with their people during this offseason to, you know, stay, stay attuned to how Carlos Martinez is doing. That tells me that they're banking on Carlos Martinez to come in. Uh, they want to stay as updated as possible and then just from there. That tells me that their five-man rotation is pretty well set in their minds unless it looks like Carlos Martinez isn't going to be able to be in physical shape to be that fifth or what is really the number two starter. Iowa next says, all the manager jobs are filled now, correct? Son of a bitch. Yeah, so the Pirates was the last one, right? I'm pretty sure the Pirates was the last one. I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure you're right, Iowa next. Friggin' cards, uh, congrats and thank you for all the great work, uh, Kyle. Thank you, friggin' cards. Uh, to you and your family, my friend, uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy uh, cathartic release weekend. Uh, MLB Trade says, uh, Wade Miley. Yeah, someone like Wade Miley. You know, I, I uh, in my mind, I had Wade Miley ticketed for like a Charlie Morton type contract. But I didn't realize how bad Wade Miley was towards the end of the year. So maybe uh, maybe you can get Wade Miley for something like a one-year $10 million deal or something like that. Maybe the Cardinals will expand to that. I could see something like that. You know, it just seems like Wade Miley, uh, 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 Cole Hamels, and then, like, depending on what kind of contract he gets, someone like Julio Tehran. I could really see him thinking he's going to get a bigger deal than what he gets. And then in, like, February, March, looking for, a, a, like, a one-year prove-it deal. And that's the kind of guy that I would love to see the Cardinals take a chance on, uh, you know, depending on what the contract is. Friggin' Card says, why is it Yachty does that two-pitch calling you reference? A lack of confidence in the other pitches. You know, I don't. I, it's not fair for me to speak of Yachty, but what Friggin' Cards is talking about is, if there's one thing that we've started to pick up on, it's that with the younger pitchers, Mr. Molina isn't as keen on going to their third pitch, or if they have four pitches, going to that fourth pitch. If they go to, if he goes to like the third pitch uh, in a, a young pitcher's arsenal, it's very rarely, it's very rare. It's under like ten percent of the time. What you end up seeing with guys like you know Dakota Hudson early in the year when, last year when Dakota Hudson went bad, it was, he was relying too much on that two seamer. Yadi was calling that two seamer all the time. It was two seamer slider. And remember the the interesting thing about Dakota Hudson is he does a slider and a cutter. Two different breaking pitches. It's really interesting. You know, he throws them different. Uh, they, they both are chronicled the same way. Uh, but he throws a slider and a cutter. And that kind of changes the dynamic of what he does. Uh, also throws a curve. Well, we don't know that he throws a curve because it was never called. But it wasn't until uh, Yadi got hurt, really. And Weeders kind of helped steer him away from throwing the two-seamer so much uh, that he started to have a lot of success. Now, that's not a, a, bit on, it's not a hit on Yadi. But we've also seen this with Jordan Hicks, right? Jordan Hicks has a changeup that can be a dynamite pitch. He's just not asked to throw it if Yachty's catching. It's it's Weeders. And same thing with Ryan Helsley. With Ryan Helsley, we've seen fastball cutter, fastball cutter, fastball cutter, and then a curve once in a while. His curveball and his changeup are both, both viable pitches that should be used late in games if he's going to pitch late in games. Well, I don't know what the reason is. I think it's just as simple as those guys have better command of those other pitches. So they, he probably just sticks with those. But I do know that for to have continued success at the major league level, they're going to have to continue to expand their repertoire and to continue to use the pitches that they've used prior. You know, uh, I know that uh, uh, I know that Jordan Hicks could have been better than he was if he would have been able to throw his changeup. 
a little bit more. Uh, but I don't know what the reason is. I just assume it's because he probably feels comfortable uh, with those guys throwing the pitches that they have the most command of. Is it just with newer major league pitchers? Yeah, that's what it seems like. Uh, uh, that is what it seems like, yes. Drake Man 4 says, would you like Puig in our outfield to replace Ozuna? The dude destroys the NL Central. Yeah, look, I love Yasiel, your boy Puig. I'm one of those guys I like the flair he plays with. I think he's goofy. Uh, uh, I'd love to know what kind of a relationship he has with Yadier Molina. That'd be a fun thing to find out, I think. Uh, but, I, uh, yeah, I'd love that. It's not going to happen. More than likely, I, unless, again, the market falls back to them in the late part of the free agent signing period, more than likely what you're talking about is the internal option replacing Marcelo Zuna. And, again, like I know we see those big power numbers from Marcelo Zuna, and I know the, the RBI numbers were awesome from Marcelo Zuna. But let's be realistic about exactly what Marcelo Zuna produced. And, you know, sure, we talk about who's going to give protection, line of protection for Paul Goldschmidt. I don't know who that is. You know, I have a different thought about all of that than a lot of people. But I think, that, honestly, that the Cardinals would do well to just have an open competition and see what happens. Uh, of course, I'm also one of these people who say that the Cardinals should have a completely open outfield competition for all three outfield spots, which they're not going to do. Uh, but we're just going to have to wait and see how that all pans out. But, yes, I, I do think that whoever it ends up being, I think, will not have that far off from a season, uh, whether it be Lane Thomas or Tyler O'Neill or Randy Rosarena, just in different ways than what Marcelo Zuna had. And, again, I, um, you know how I feel. I'll say it loud. I'll say it over and over again. Give me Dylan Carlson. Give him a chance in spring training to win that job. And it's, it, it's a total ridiculous concept, the idea of competing in spring training to win a job at the major league level as a starter because it's spring training, and what do those stats even mean? Uh, but you got to have the competition somewhere, and it's going to have to happen in spring training. Uh, T. Bertrand says, Hamels would be a good pickup if Martinez or Helsley are not moved into the rotation. Yeah, so I agree with you. I agree. Uh, uh, and again, I don't foresee a situation in which Helsley makes it to the rotation. You know, I would imagine that unless John Gant gets, uh, gets taken off the roster tomorrow, which I hope doesn't happen and I think would be a bad move, I think if, if you'll come to spring training with Gomber and Gant and Ponce de Leon and Helsley and Seamart and other guys that I'm forgetting with the chance to be uh, to get that fifth spot in the rotation. Uh, but I think more than likely it's Carlos Martinez. The question is, who's going to get hurt in spring training uh, uh, and end up completely ruining this entire conversation from the get-go? KP in a bunch of numbers says, where does Gorman start next year? Let's see a full year of him and Carlson both on the AAA roster. Yeah, I'm... Look, Carlson's ready for the major leagues, and it might take him a little while to adjust to the majors, but a whole year at AAA is, in my opinion, a wasted resource. Now, things could get weird this offseason. He could take steps back. We've seen stuff like that happen. He's not going to. He's too good and too smart of a competitor for that. Um, Gorman is not anywhere near ready for AAA. Uh, here in two days, on Tuesday, I'll release my write-up for the, uh, uh, the third baseman. And, again, I would ask that you please, please read this and please take any information that I'm providing you. Look, he wasn't ready for Palm Beach. He performed admirably at Palm Beach, did well, especially for his age against that level. But good pitchers bullied him, left-handed and right-handed. And you know what? They bullied him in the Midwest League, too. Uh, he was not ready for, for advanced A last year. He should have spent the entire year at Peoria in the Midwest League. And the Cardinals stuck with the plan that they had in preseason, and they rolled with it. Good for them. I appreciate them sticking to their plan. Uh, I do not want the Cardinals to be over-aggressive. With a hitter who strikes out as much and looks as bad at the plate as Nolan Gorman is capable of looking, uh, he needs time to develop. You don't rush this type of prospect. You know, you're talking about in his write-up and on pad, and whenever I get a chance, I'm telling people over and over again that look no further than Tyler O'Neill if you want a hitting comparison for, for Nolan Gorman. You know, uh, Tyler O'Neill entered double-A. 
as a 20-year-old and won an MVP award in the Southern League. Now, what happened is the same thing. Hitters, a hitter like Tyler O'Neill that can do as much damage, pitchers end up being a little bit more careful with at the minor league level, and they don't have the command. So they hit big home run numbers, and they hit for more average, and they walk more because teams are don't know what to do with them, and guys are scared of them. We'll see that on a Nolan Gorman. Uh, uh, but let's not get him to AAA just yet. I don't want him to see AAA at all unless he's more than earned it in 2020. Start him off at Palm Beach, halfway through, send him to Springfield. That's what I would do. Now, more than likely, he starts in Springfield. Make no mistake, the Cardinals are really bullish on Nolan Gorman. Uh, they expect him to be in the major league level at a pretty, pretty rapid pace. I just don't know if that's the right move, and I especially feel comfortable saying that about this type of player that strikes out a lot and looks bad striking out frequently. Uh, the rest you'll have to read about on Tuesday. That X says, any report on any Cardinals playing winter ball? You know, I have not paid any attention to that. Like, uh, uh, I know that um, uh, uh, Chris Ellis was pitching really well. Uh, one of the players that the Cardinals acquired in the John Gant trade a uh, hundred years ago now, it feels like. Uh, relief pitcher was taken in the Rule 5 last year and then sent back to the Cardinals. Uh, I know that he was pitching well. Uh, but other than that, I haven't paid any attention. Uh, sorry about that. Austin Stone says, uh, thoughts on Mo saying he expects Lane Thomas to get a real shot. I think that that's the right move. I think that, that probably gives you a good idea of what the Cardinals are expecting in that role. Uh, the question, my question is, I would like to know where he's getting a real shot. Uh, is it at center field? Is it in left field? Uh, is it in right field? Uh, I think, again, I'm very, very, very vocal about saying that all three spots should be open, uh, an open competition. And I love Dexter Fowler. I have, I have no complaints to Dexter Fowler. I love the fact that he found himself found his way back to being a league average player. That's great. Uh, but I'd like for the Cardinals to do better in that spot. And I think that some of their internal options could do better in that spot. Uh, and that, again, that's not to beat up on Dexter Fowler. I've got nothing but love for that guy. Uh, let's see. Very stupid man. What's up, brother? Uh, Grichik was hotter than Bader, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, no. Grichik's like model hot, right? Grichik's like uh, Abercrombie model hot. And Bader's like... Bader's like... Babies are us hot. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Lucas K says, uh, any non-tender candidate before tomorrow's deadline? You know, I think it comes down to, there was a lot of talk about what was going to happen with John Gant. Uh, uh, see, it's going to be hard with you here because when you lose it, I can't keep my... Anyways, uh, yeah, look, I think we're, I think Harrison Bader's baby are us hot. What do you got? Um, I think it comes down to John Gant, uh, which I don't, I believe that they'll tender him. I, I, I can't imagine letting that asset go, even with the struggle at the end of the year. Uh, some idiots, I forgot who it was, and I, I'm sorry if you're listening, uh, a while back, said that Alex Reyes might be a non-tender candidate. That would be ridiculous. There's nothing dumber you could do. Uh, you're not in that bad of a need of a 40-man spot. I fully expect Cecil to get tendered. And then after that, it's Ramon Urias, Jose Deliz Garcia, and Edmundo Sosa. And I, I would expect all of them to, to get tendered. So, uh, you know, I guess there's a chance that it happens with Gant. I guess there's a chance that it happens with all of those guys that I just mentioned. But if it didn't happen with any of them, I wouldn't be surprised. And if it happened with any, all with all of them, I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I will say that I think letting non-tendering John Gant is a bad move. Uh, it just doesn't make sense from an asset management standpoint. Jay Duda says, God damn, I miss watching Carl, uh, uh, Carlos start. Get him, Wayno, and Jack going well next year, and it's classic. Yeah, and if you get the same type of production you got out of Dakota Hudson and Miles Michaelis next year, then you're in a good shape too. It's just, again, I feel like I'm having the same conversation that I had last year about the cards. It's They put themselves in a position where they just need everything to fit in right. They need everything to go right. Uh, and I'd like to see them 
maybe be a little bit less uh, 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 optimistic and maybe a little bit more proactive about that. But we'll see. Uh, again, I'm, I'm rooting for them all. I hope for the best. Iowa Neck, uh, thoughts on the Brewers-Padres trade? You know, when I saw it, my first thought is, man, what are the Padres doing? Like, I, I get Davies. I get what they're – like, I, I like I, I like the outfielder. I like Grisham. I think, I, I think they're both really good players. I just – I can't for the life of me figure out what the Padres are doing. I like Urias a lot. Uh, uh, it's cool, as we talk about Ramon Urias, uh, that is uh, – Ramon Urias is the older brother of the, uh, the Urias who just found his way to the Brewers. So cool that the brothers are going to be playing in the same division if Urias, uh, Ramon Urias ever makes it to the major leagues. Well, I doubt it, uh, at least with the Cardinals. Some are going to have to wait and see. Um, so that's cool. I love that. But I, I think it was a good move for the Brewers. I like what they're doing. Uh, I like the fact that that front office uh, is not afraid to make a bunch of trades and make some signings and let things happen in the offseason. Uh, Josh says, Pat is like offseason therapy for me. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, consider therapy being like uh, left alone in a Sunday school class with a teacher or with a priest, then yeah, yeah, it's exactly like therapy. Sorry, nips. I've got nipples. You want to milk me? I will suck... Puig's dig if he comes here. Love him. Yeah, me too, Jay Duda. Uh, we'll all get in line and we'll we'll treat that dick like the proper train it deserves to be treated like. Uh, Bequeast Domain uh, says, so why open it up? I'm tired of this open B shit. I, I want some continuity. Seems we are year to year. Yeah, the, well, we said that continuity, but look, uh, Flaherty's pretty well regular in the rotation. Michaelis is a ro- regular in the rotation. Wayno. Uh, 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 from a position player standpoint, we're talking about Yachty, Wong, DeYoung, uh, Carlos Mar- or, uh, uh, Matt Carpenter. The Cardinals do have a lot of continuity. It's just that they've struggled in the outfield. And I know that the lovely and talented Ben Fredrickson wrote uh, 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 an article for the Post-Dispatch where he was critical about the outfield rotation and uh, uh, how it's been turnover after turnover after turnover. Well, I'll be honest with you. What did they really turn over? Randall Gritchick had a, a really, really solid 2018 season. Uh, Steven Piscotty had an amazing 2018 season. But they, they haven't given up anything. They're giving the guys a chance to show that they're good. And if they're not good, then they move on. And sure, it sucks to lose those two good seasons that you had. Uh, but the problem is if they would have had those seasons as a Cardinal, then they never would have gotten moved. And they never would have created more opportunities. Look, you're not talking about trading uh, – uh, Mark McGuire. You're not talking about trading Ken Griffey Jr. You're talking about two guys who had two good years and then were league average players after that. Uh, it's I get it. Uh, what I want is I just want the best players to play. I don't give a fuck at all about continuity. Uh, I don't I don't care who's in the lineup as long as it's the best players playing at that time. The Cardinals are not a talented enough roster, uh, uh, top to bottom, to not have their best players playing. They need their best players in the lineup producing when they can produce that means that guys have to have a short leash that means Matt Carpenter can't last two months of not doing well Dexter Fowler can't last two months whoever plays center and whoever plays left it goes double for them too there needs to be a proactivity about getting the roster spots the players that you have into the roster into the everyday lineup when they are producing and getting them out I know it's a tough way to do it Uh, uh, it hurts a lot of feelings but it's the only way that this Cardinal roster is going to have the opportunity to maximize itself uh, uh, he says, by the way, uh, respect the hell out of this format. And you, Hey, it's my pleasure. I, I respect the hell out of you. Thank you for being a part of this. Coach M Poe says, is, is this day and age, isn't the bullpen almost as important as the starters? 
leave Helsley and Penn. Now, I selfishly want Helsley to be a starter because for a long time I've been telling everyone that he's good enough to be a starter. I've also told everyone for years and years now, I mean literally years and years, that he's better than Dakota Hudson uh, and would be a better performer out of the starting rotation than Dakota Hudson. But your point is right. Each year, the bullpen role becomes more and more uh, prominent uh, and more and more stressed upon. We've seen the Cardinals at the major league level and at the minor league level start to try to develop and utilize the multi-inning reliever, guys who go two innings or three innings. Uh, so I do think that there's a lot of value to having Helsley in the bullpen. I just want him to start for a selfish reason because I love the guy, and I think he'd be the second-best starting pitcher in the rotation if given the option because uh, his stuff is good, and he's dynamite, and he's really, really damn good. Uh, so that's why I would want him to start because I don't know if there's four other options better than him to start or even five other options better than him to start. But you're right. You need bullpen pieces. You need guys who can shut the door, and Helsley's going to have that. Uh, he has that ability, and we'll see if he continues to demonstrate it in 2020 like he did at the end of 2019. Uh, a point well taken, definitely something that we need to spend a little bit more time emphasizing, the importance of having those bullpen roles uh, performing properly. Isaac Hopper says, will the Cars use that unjust service rule to keep Carlson down? Uh, so uh, what we've talked about during Prospects After Dark is I don't expect them to use that service. Well, so I guess the first thing we need to talk about is uh, Chris Bryant There is it's like suing the Cubs or something like that. I don't remember what the deal is. But uh, uh, so there's a court case involving Chris Bryant and his service time manipulation by the Cubs. I think that'll help steer that conversation just a little bit. One thing about the Cardinals, they've never been an organization to manipulate service time. Uh, look, I, I can be critical of the front office. But it's just the facts. I don't see them doing it, and they've never really done it in the past. Uh, I will say that while it might look like service time manipulation, uh, I think more than likely it's just the guys who are ahead of them on the 40-man roster. Remember, Carlson's not on the 40. But the, the, I would imagine that from a, a cost standpoint, uh, wanting to optimize your own uh, assets, that it just makes more sense for uh, uh, those guys to get a chance before Carlson does. Uh, and they've got plenty of them. It's not like they don't have plenty of options that are viable at the major league level. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm running a front office, well, again, if I'm running a front office, there's three open outfield spots and I'm letting them have at it. I don't give a fuck who it is. Uh, but I'm also going with, I'm also want to see what Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill and Randy Rosarena uh, uh, and whoever else I'm forgetting uh, gets a chance to prove what they're capable of. Justin Williams, Jose Adoles Garcia. If one of those guys comes in and blows the roof off of the Cardinals, uh, they should be given a chance to start. I don't care. <laughs> they just need their best options is what I think. Uh, Jake Dellard says, did anyone claim VR? No, not that I've seen yet. Uh, I have not seen. I've been meaning to check on it, but I had a pretty well lazy weekend. Uh, I got sick Friday into Saturday, and uh, I still feel like shit. It's a whole thing with my equilibrium, uh, but uh, we're, we're powering on through. Uh, O'Neal, I love as a fourth. That's it. And I get that. Like, I, I understand a lot of people's complaints about Tyler O'Neill. They see that big strikeout number. But remember what we've seen out of Tyler O'Neill in the only span that he's received regular playing time in that month. We saw his strikeouts dip below 25%. We saw him slug more and we saw him get on base more. Uh, I hate him as a fourth outfielder because he's not like a defensive juggernaut. He's quick and he's a pretty solid defender when he feels comfortable out there. Uh, but his value is tied to his bat, and his bat is not going to get going unless he's playing every day. We have the statistical evidence to prove that. Um, it's not like someone like Harrison Bader where his, his value is tied to his defense and his ability to run the bases. So it makes sense to have him as a fourth outfielder. He doesn't need to play any, every day anyways. He's not going to hit whether he's starting every day or he's, he's a fourth outfielder. So to me, I've always said that I view Tyler O'Neill when he's given an opportunity to be a Chris 
K-H-R-I-S Davis type. I think that that's, that's his ultimate ceiling. Uh, you, know, you know what? You might be right. Maybe he's Peter O'Brien, something like that. But, man, I just I, – I'm telling you, as somebody who's watched him at the minor league level, he's a different hitter when he's given every day at bats. And then when you saw him in July when uh, 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 Ozuna was on the, the IL, he looked like a different hitter. He was better at bats, better approach comfort so I, I i respectfully disagree but i know what you're saying and i definitely understand that sentiment about him being a fourth outfielder uh here's the hoping on rondone is on the opening day roster no drake we're, we're we're not there yet let's get on hell rondone another year you talk about a guy who served really well oh an entire year at triple a on hell rondone give me rondone and oviedo all year at triple a and make me a happy boy uh dusty colorado says wonder javier would be the cardinals top prospect they should get him in the Rule 5 draft. Agree. So, Wander Javier is available. Uh, he had a really bad year this year. I believe he was hurt a bunch for the Twins in the minor league system. Took a bunch of steps back. Uh, the only problem with claiming Wander Javier is you put him on the – you'd have to play him every day. And they, you don't have to play him every day. You have to put him on the 25-man roster. And while I think he could potentially be someone on the equivalence of Jairo Munoz, uh, uh, he isn't. He won't be. Uh, he'll be a kick below that. And really, you're just – It'd be a um, uh, uh, Alan Cordova situation in reverse where you're getting a player who isn't anywhere near ready for the major leagues who might be able to do a couple of good things here and there. But really what you're doing is you're hurting his ability to develop. Uh, sure, he might be your number one prospect. Although I would imagine when everyone does re-rankings, when Javier ends up staying with the Twins, he'll end up like way back, like past 10. Uh, but yeah, it's just not an updated list what you're working with. But I get the sentiment. I love it. If he looks healthy, maybe you do it. But I, I, I don't imagine the Cardinals have a clusterfuck in that position as it is with guys who are ready for at least a chance at the major league level. C70, our good friend, says odds of Baby Yoda taking over in center next year. 6%. Uh, 6%. 70%. How about that? I'm bearish on Lane Thomas. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, STL Cup of Joe says love the glasses. Uh, to you, STL Cup of Joe. Thanks for, for tuning in, bud. I know, right? I've got glasses now. I can see. Drake Mann says, let's draft Buddy Reed or Estuary Ruiz in the Roll 5. Bring them on. Bring on all the Roll 5. Uh, Joe says, Dylan Bundy, give me a week with him. Joe, I'd like to give you a week with all of these pitchers. Uh, I'll be honest, even the guys on the roster I'd love for you to get, get a week with. I'd love for you to get a week with John Gant is what I would like. Maggie says, so sorry I'm late. Hello, Maggie. Uh, how is Al? I'm glad Al. You didn't miss anything, Mag. Uh, Al is, I hope Al is good. Uh, I hope he's over his allergic reaction and all that stuff. Uh, Farmer Vala says, Sosa and Nagowski having nice winter leagues. There we go. Uh, uh, like to hear that. Drake Man says, Kyle Reese is the psychiatrist. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> Ben Fred isn't good from Joe. <laughs> uh, I am a psychiatrist. I am your manager. Uh, let's see. Sorry, power went off and I lost my Wi-Fi. Well, welcome back, Victoria. Nice to, nice to have you back. Uh, when should we expect the Astros hammer to fall? I would have thought that it would have happened during the owners meetings, uh, which were just a week ago or whatever. Uh, the fact that, you know, it seems like there's an ongoing investigation and Manfred's talking a big game. Maybe you're talking about something happening, uh, uh, soon, but it seems like one of these things where we're talking about maybe getting information about the hammer falling on the Astros at the beginning of spring training. That just seems more practical to me. Uh, Steve Ellers in here. What's up, Steve? Drake, man, I think the trade was a win-win, to be honest. Both getting young talent, and Abrams and Edwards are going to be good. Yeah, sure works. I'm, I, I think it's a good move on both. Uh, Chris Bryant is suing the team he currently plays for. I don't know what it is, Jake. Don't let me, don't, I could have, I'd be getting, I could be getting that wrong. How do I know if I'm live from Sam Smitty? Well, Sam, I'm probably, it tells me that I'm 13 messages behind right now. Uh, so I'm probably getting to your question about five to 10 minutes late, would be my guess. 
Uh, where I am at right now is 8.38 Central Time. Uh, Justin Williams seems cool. I don't know if he's good, though. Well, he did have a really good second half of the year down at AAA. Uh, he did punch a television. I think that's pretty cool, I guess. Um, he definitely seems fly, you know, to borrow a term from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, no, he, uh, he had a really good second half. Uh, seemed to really have confidence and what he was doing at the plate and in the field. We talk about him a lot in the outfield rankings, uh, which will come out on Friday. Uh, so keep an eye on Birds on the Black for that. But, yeah, he's, he's a cool dude. He, I'll tell you what, he owned up to being stupid and hitting a television with his hand or his fist. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know much about him, to be honest with you. He seems like a good kid. Uh, Reyes and Seamart, your thoughts on 2020. Farmer Vala, what's up, Farmer? How are you, bud? So my thoughts on uh, Reyes are he doesn't exist. Until Alex Reyes, I, I, this is my, my go-to answer, and I'm sorry about this. Until Alex Reyes is pitching on a mound for the St. Louis Cardinals in a regular season game, he doesn't exist. He's a white rabbit. You, you, if you're going to follow it, you're just going to jump down a goddamn hole. Uh, there's no reason at all to pretend like he exists anymore. Uh, I, I'm still rooting for him. I'm hoping for the best. You know, I've got nothing but mad respect for him, too. Uh, I, I want him to be the pitcher that we all know he's capable of being, and the pitcher that we saw pitch the minor leagues, and in 2016 in the second half. Like, I want that. But I think even having a thought at all about ha like him in 2020 is it, it's just I can't imagine a person having the mental or physical ca capacity to handle it. For Seymour, yeah, I'm bullish on Seymour. I hope that the little cleanup surgery he has takes him into a, a, a place where he gets healthy and. Uh, healthy than healthier than he's been in years and can pitch out of the starting rotation for the Cardinals. I love him as a starter. I think it's the best thing for the St. Louis Cardinals. I think it's the best thing for him. And uh, hopefully we get to see it and we get to see it a lot in 2020. Uh, JND old number seven says uh, second uh, that TO needs a chance. Uh, uh, 500 at bats minimum. Yeah. Again, you give him a month, you give him two months and just see what happens. Look at after a month, he's striking out 35% of the time and hitting 200, then you go to someone else. But you, I do love the idea of giving him a chance. Uh, T.O., by the way, is Terrell Owens. <laughs> no, no, is uh, Tyler O'Neill. Uh, what's up, Pad? Kyle, enjoying your prospect rankings. Great job so far, man. Uh, thank you so much, Sam Smitty. And again, if you have the inclination, please go, and you haven't done it already, uh, if you've done it already, thank you so much for your support uh, and enjoying the prospect rankings that I'm doing. But if you haven't enjoyed it yet, please go to Birds on the Black. Uh, look at our prospect rankings. Uh, we've gone over the starting pitchers, the drafted starting pitchers, the relief pitchers. Tomorrow will be catchers. We'll do third baseman, utility infielders, first baseman, and outfield. Uh, I, I put a lot of time, a lot of effort into it. I'm very, very proud of it. Uh, I used Grammarly to make sure I didn't fuck it up as badly as I normally fuck that stuff up. It's still awful. I'm not saying that, but enjoy it. We also have uh, podcast versions of that. Uh, you can listen to that through iTunes. Uh, I'm really proud, and I'm strong lyrically almost when it comes to Christmas songs. Uh, we have a full pantheon of Christmas songs for you to enjoy of me singing uh, the, the sultry sounds of my voice and also podcasts to go with all of the, uh, the write-ups that we're doing. If, if my poorly written words aren't for you uh, and you can stomach my voice like you are right now, uh, then you should definitely check out the podcast. And also, if you've read, you should check out the podcast, too, because I give a lot. I give more information and I give sometimes different information. Uh, in the podcast. So you're getting two forms of, of information. It's not just me rereading everything that I've, I've written. Uh, so please enjoy. The other thing I want to say, uh, I, I got a chance to listen to and read the, the prelude for Cards Cards uh, card, card Annals 
and I think it is incredible. I am I am so on board for this project, and I love what Cards Cards is doing with it. And I, you know, to be a part of Birds on the Black when these awesome things are happening is it's just a really really cool thing. You know, between card annals and uh, uh, what Tara is doing investigating the the minor league contraction thing, you talk about an article that if you haven't read, you need to read to need to read rather. You're gonna want to definitely check out uh, Tara. The article that dropped, I believe it was on Wednesday. Uh, she interviewed uh, one of the owners of three minor league teams uh, about contraction. And that article, in my opinion, uh, for someone who is highly invested in minor league baseball, uh, emotionally invested, I don't have any other type of investment in it. I don't get paid to write about it. I don't get paid to talk about it. Uh, it's just my own thoughts and feelings about it. Uh, my love for it, um, it is like, it's gut-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. And it's first-hand account. And no one else has got that. And it's a damn shame that some of these cowards that you get from Baseball Prospectus and Baseball America and nationally national writers aren't pushing that article because it's better and just as informative as any information that you're going to find about minor league contraction. So, you know, she doesn't drink, but to Tara, uh, I raise my glass high, super high. I'm super proud and super excited about what Tara has in the, the hopper. In regards to that, to Cards Cards, I raise my glass too. Uh, I love the projects that are going on at Birds in the Black. You're in for a treat with all that they're they're going to give you, uh, and I feel privileged to be a part of it. Uh, Drake Man says, oh my, I just noticed that you had glasses on. Welcome to the club. Hey, to the glass family. Uh, Casey Katz, STL Card says, Danny Mac hates Christmas and puppies. You talk about just a bitter, bitter Danny McScrooge. What a, what a heel turn that guy's taking. Al's face is almost back to normal. Aw. Uh, Justin Williams is equal to Khalil Green, probably. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what happens with Justin Williams after he plays baseball, uh, but I know that uh, uh, if he's anything like Khalil Green, we'll never find him again, and he's probably living on an Indian reserve somewhere. Josh says, if Alex Reyes has a decent spring, then does he take Hudson's spot? No, no. It, Alex Reyes, no. Alex Reyes doesn't exist, Josh. I don't know if you caught that part earlier. Uh, but Alex Reyes does not exist. Does he have a no? You don't put him in the bullpen. Or maybe you put him in the bullpen. I don't know. He doesn't exist. Uh, hopefully he has a great spring. And we're talking about rostering him like we did last year. Cards fan double uh, Cardinals fan 022 says, hopefully Kisner will be the backup. He's got a good swing. Yeah, uh, you guys know how I feel. I think Andrew Kisner would be very, very good in the type of role that we saw Carson Kelly be very, very good out of uh, in 2019. The issue is, if he's the backup, he's not going to get that many at-bats unless Yachty gets hurt. Yachty's going to play 130 games. He's not automatically, like, magically going to take a timeshare. As long as he's the catcher, he's going to catch as many games as he wants to, and he wants to catch all of the games possible. So I do love the idea of Andrew Kisner being the backup. I think that there's an interesting thing that the Cardinals could do with the 26-man roster, if that's, in fact, a rule that is being enacted next year, where the Cardinals could bring three catchers, whether that be you know being fortunate and getting Matt Wieters back or finding someone else to be a backup to Yadier Molina and then using Kisner's bat off the bench a lot or using him at first here and there or third here and there. Like There is a way to make Andrew Kisner work. Uh, I just don't think the Cardinals will do it. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Jake Dellert says, I hope there's another Dirty 35 shower podcast like last year. Uh, we cheers to Ashley, who's sitting right there, for, uh, uh, for encouraging that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, what, I almost did one during doing the dishes the other day. That's about as close as I got. Look, I, I, I like to uh, condense my time. It, it seems impractical to only do one thing at a time, so I like to do two things or three things at a time. Uh, so I would imagine that there'll be some just uncomfortable situation for all the listeners eventually for one of these podcasts. 
the night after show says, what role should Tommy Edmund play next year? And how do you think Mike Schilt will handle it? <laughs> well, boy, you ask a question where it's like, hey, here's a way to anger people. Uh, I think Tommy Edmund, so I know that's a crappy way of putting it, but here's the thing is, you know, I, I know for a fact that Matt Carpenter is going to get a chance to be the everyday third baseman next year. So what would I do with Tommy Edmund? I would put him in a position where he gets 400 to 500 plate appearances next year. Uh, I'd keep him out of the outfield because you got plenty of guys who can play the outfield, guys who have been doing it for their entire lives. And while Edmund handled it and he's athletic, uh, these guys are actually like a plus in that in that particular area. I think that you can give uh, uh, you could give all five, all four guys on the infield, uh, Sons Yachty, You can give Goldschmidt a day off a week, Wong a day off a week, DeYoung a day off a week, and Carpenter a day off a week, and everyone benefits from that. You know, you play them in matchups. You, you got a tough lefty. Uh, you definitely sit Carpenter uh, and Edmund plays third. Look, you, you, what you do is you, you, you try to provide rest for the guys on the infield. And again, Goldschmidt gets rest. Move Carpenter to first. Edmund to third. You have to keep these guys fresh. We saw Paul DeYoung completely gassed for the second half of the year. And he still played every day. You know, Colton Wong was really, really great last year. Uh, and honestly, if you talk about a guy who probably doesn't need rest, maybe it's him. But he also has had two straight years where in September his hamstring or his lower half has kind of betrayed him and he's missed time because of it. Maybe he just gets a little day off once a week or once every 10 days and, and the Cardinals benefit from that. You know, all of these guys, Goldschmidt and Carpenter are older now. They could benefit from rest. Carpenter has had fatigue issues and getting tired issues for years. They could benefit from rest. I think that you can keep him on the infield. You can play him 110 games, 100 games a year, get him 400 plate appearances, 500 plate appearances, and really benefit from that. I, I, I will maintain, and I love Tommy Edmond. I love Tommy Edmond for a very, very long time. But he, his 120 WRC plus last year, it's not repeatable. He can get 110. He can get between 110 and 115 if he's being handled right, if he's not overexposed. And remember, they're going to adapt to him. They're going to change to him. He's going to see a lot of change-ups, and he's going to have to learn to adjust to that. Uh, didn't really show that at the end of the year. It's just that he wasn't attacked by those change-ups as frequently. He's going to see a lot of them. He'll adjust because he's a smart hitter. He's not, you know, he's not Harrison Bader. He's a smart hitter. He'll adjust to that. But you're talking about a guy who, if he's being used right, he's 100 to 110 WRC plus type producer, and that's the way to do it, in my opinion. Uh, Card says, not going to lie, the Tony Tone Low Pelosi write-up uh, has stayed with me. I love it. Uh, yeah, so the thing that I'm most proud of that no one commented on, no one commented on, is I put a picture of the back half of a horse for the picture of Ryan Helsley, and no one commented on it. And I think that's when I realized that you guys expect this ridiculous nonsense out of me, and I've got to up my game. I, obviously, I'm not going to up my game here. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's only going to get weirder from here, and you brought that upon yourselves. Uh, but... I'm proud of it, and yes, what I was trying to say, uh, I was definitely implying that Ryan Helsley has a huge dick, but I was also saying that his lower half is built like a horse, because he has just amazing thighs, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so yeah, I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, that was water? Yeah. Realistically, is Helsley in the pen rotation? Realistically, it's the bullpen, uh, and I'd, I'd bet every dollar I had to on, on it if I had to bet a dollar. Uh, Herrera hits, but please talk about his catching skills at this point. So, uh, again, we'll get into that tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Nice little uh, setup there. A nice little lead-in by Farmer Vala to talk about our prospect rankings. Uh, tomorrow, we'll give you the catchers. Yvonne Herrera's number one. Kisner's a graduate. Uh, Herrera's number one. And all indications are this 19-year-old kid who is a month younger than Nolan Gorman is, 
uh, has taken leaps and bounds in one year time to be a very good catcher. I'll tell you what, uh, he still has work to do in every area. He has a strong arm. Uh, he, he has a good pop time. He blocks balls uh, in the dirt very well. He calls an okay game. But everything is like average to below on the board. Uh, but all of his skills flash the ability to be well above average. It's just what's going to happen, what's going to stick. Just like when we're talking about Nolan Gorman at third base. Like, if you think that you can project a 19-year-old who has played one full season at a full-season affiliated level uh, uh, as a, uh, an average or below average or above average or great type uh, uh, fielder at the next level, you're wrong. And you can do it with some guys, but with guys who have raw talent and raw tools like Gorman and Herrera have, it's impossible. I'll tell you what, when I watch Nolan Gorman play third, I know for a fact he's going to stick there. I know Herrera is going to stick at catcher. It's just what level it's going to be. You know, I would say they're both going to be at least average. There's times when Nolan Gorman flashes well above average. Now, there's also times when he looks terrible. Why would we be surprised by that? You're talking about a 19-year-old playing against 23-year-olds. Like, seeing balls hit at them like they've never seen before. Uh, Avon Herrera seeing pitches that he's never seen move the way that the pitches move before. You know, uh, again, I think they're both average. Project is average with plenty more in the tank to project. You never know what's going to happen in the life of a 20-year-old that derails their, their entire career. Uh, both of these kids seem smart and they seem dedicated to baseball and those are big, big steps in the right direction. Uh, that's how I feel. You know, I, again, I also, pre I also postscript that uh, by saying that I am terrible at evaluating catchers. I, I, I'm left-handed. I didn't catch it all. I've never taught catching, even to my little leaguers, my poor. They went and had uh, classes. I, I don't. I understand catching a lot less than I understand everything else on the diamond. Uh, but I can tell you that he doesn't look like an idiot back there, and that's a positive. Uh, Kello three hundred three says, "Hey, uh, I know small sample, but that Lane Thomas slash line though." Uh, so you'll find out uh, from Sean Ewing. What's up, Sean? How are you, bud? You'll find out when we get to the outfielders on Friday that. I, I, I was pretty pissed off about this. So Lane Thomas was on the roster for what I believe to be 53 games. It might've been 52. Uh, it might've been 50. It might've been 60. I don't math right family. And I apologize for that. Uh, but what I know is he had 38 at bats. So you're talking about at least 12 fewer, at least, and I'm pretty sure it's at least 14. So we'll say at least 14 fewer at bats than he had games where he was eligible to get at bats. How fucking terrible is that? You talk about mismanagement. You know, you have Matt Carpenter who couldn't hit a lick at third. You have Tommy Edmond running around in right field. And you have Lane Thomas on the bench. Uh, it's just poor management. Uh, uh, getting back to the question about how will Tommy Edmond be managed, I don't think that it will be anything similar to how I, I panned out just a little while ago. I think he plays in the outfield. I think he's your starting left fielder on opening day. Starting center fielder, maybe. Uh, uh, anyways, what I'm getting at is I uh, – uh, I love Lane Thomas. I think that he has a major league future. Is it more than a fourth outfielder? I feel confident in saying over a short period of time, it is more than a fourth outfielder. How long? I'm not sure. I do want him to get an opportunity. I, again, you know, as we enter this offseason, I believe wholeheartedly that your three best outfielders are Tyler O'Neill, Lane Thomas, and Dylan Carlson. Uh, uh, with, with I Personally, I know O'Neill's more comfortable in right. I like O'Neill in right. I like Carlson in center. And I like Thomas in left. Uh, I know Carlson's a little sketchy in left. That's why I hesitate to put him out there. 
he'll adapt to it when he gets more frequent playing time. Uh, but uh, that's that is just my opinion. Uh, again, uh, as someone who watches all of these guys at the minor league level, that's just what I would do, and it's not going to happen. We know that for a fact. Uh, but that's just where I'm at on all that. Uh, what's the best bottle of whiskey to give to a friend? Any bottle of whiskey. You can give them Old Crow, and they're happy. Look. Uh, whiskey is a magical, magical elixir. Uh, I believe it came from gods that don't exist because gods don't exist. And I think that uh, uh, we'd all do well if we all received a bottle of whiskey from everyone. Uh, no, so if you're talking about like an expensive bottle, uh, you know, again, I love I love Booker's. Booker's is like 70, 80 bucks. Uh, Blanton's is a great bottle of whiskey. If you're looking for mid, mid-price stuff, you know, Basil Hayden's is really good. Um, uh a lower end, like my bottle of Four Roses here, uh, sponsor, unaffiliated sponsor of Prospects After Dark, uh, Four Roses, uh, that's 20 bucks, and that's a pretty solid bottle of bourbon. It's not going to knock their socks off, but that's a good bottle of bourbon. For six extra bucks, you can get the, the small batch, um, uh, the small batch Four Roses. That's really good. And then they have another level, which is also really good. Uh, get a Four Roses, whatever your price range is. They won't be disappointed, I promise. Uh, we could do, Maggie says, we could do a pad with you blacked out like the last pad, the lost pad episode. That's a funny one because let me tell you, uh, on Friday, I got my eyes dilated. Uh, they wanted to do the routine check to make sure that I wasn't, you know, fucked, uh, that I didn't have glaucoma or any of that stuff. Uh, and what happened was the dilation of the dilating of my eyes fucked me up. It threw off my equilibrium up until this morning, pretty much. Uh, it made me sick Friday into Saturday, and uh, uh, it, it really fucked me up. And the best way that I could describe it was it was like I had the concussion again. So it's funny you bring that up, Maggie. Uh, that's that's incredible timing there. But honestly, for, for two days, from I got my eyes dilated at 9.30 on, on Friday morning uh, until after 9.30 today, uh, I, I felt like I had a concussion. It was incredible. It was miserable. My eyes could not register. They could not readjust. Uh, and here we are. And luckily, we're doing pad and we're fine, sort of. Uh, for going oh, for a going away gift, it depends. Like, how tight are you with this person? Keep feeding me information, Austin Stone. Is it somebody you're trying to impress? Is it somebody that you just want to, you know, like, oh, I just want to do it to, like, a buddy or whatever. Uh, Drake Man says, Kisner or Herrera, if you were given a bet on who had the better career slash line, uh, I'll say, oh, man. It's so tough to say. You're talking about a 19-year-old kid in Herrera who held his own at Palm Beach and Peoria, but didn't really hasn't really done anything like super flashy yet. I'll say Kisner. I, I just think Kisner's hitting tool is is ready now. I think it's good now. I think it's again like in in the write-up as you'll find out tomorrow. I, I say that there's a lot about Avon Herrera that reminds me of Andrew Kisner, just younger and further away and further developed. You know, or further away from being fully developed and a player. I think that the ceiling on Herrera is is astronomically high. I think that the hitting ceiling on Andrew Kisner is astronomically high. I think he could be one of the best hitting catchers in the league on a perennial basis. I just don't know if he's going to get that opportunity and when he's going to get that opportunity. Uh, so I'll say Kisner, uh, but I think if you were going to take a, like a smart money line bet on it, you take the money that uh, you get for Herrera. Hopefully Hicks will not be overused when he comes back. So if I'm unless I'm doing it wrong, uh, Jordan Hicks, by the way, I'm going to raise my glass. I haven't seen him in here. They haven't been in here in a while. But I don't want my love for them to get lost. To the Hicks family, uh, to Mr. Jason Hicks, the godfather of Prospects After Dark, uh, the queen of Prospects After Dark, Jennifer, and uh, all of the Hicks family, happy Thanksgiving to the Hicks family. If you're listening to this or you watch us later, uh, I, I hope we, we've missed you. We hope everything's going great with you guys. I hope you're doing well. 
uh, and you're always a part of this family. But, you know, the, the rumor is that he'll be back in the late part of July, the middle part of um, uh, the middle part of August, like somewhere in that range. And, uh, yeah, the, the, if they overuse him, I'll lose my damn mind. Uh, but, you know, he's a competitor, and he probably won't back down, I wouldn't think. Hey, Ryan, how are you, bud? Uh, let's see, the Aaron Hernandez episode. I, yeah, uh, that's, oh, my God, it was the Aaron Hernandez episode. Uh, Carpenter, gold glove, left field. I'll tell you what, if you want to see me lose my damn mind, uh, a Matt Carpenter playing left field on opening day would be the thing. That'd be the thing. Do you expect, night after show, do you expect Gorman and Herrera to start in Springfield? Uh, I do expect Herrera to start in Springfield. Gorman's a little different. I don't know what to expect out of Gorman. I do know that the Cardinals have a plan for him, and the plan was always to be aggressive with him. Uh, that would mean that, yeah, it, it would make sense for him to go to Springfield. I think it all depends on where Aliris Montero is. You know, if Montero goes to AAA, which is what I, I think that I'd start Montero at AA. I think I'd start him back at AA, and I think I'd start Gorman back at Palm Beach. Look, it's not going to kill him to go back to Palm Beach. Those pitchers at Palm Beach are tough. And I think that that's important for his development, you know, especially with his skill set and his big ability to K. You know, his power isn't going to manifest the way you'd want it to in the stat line, but at least he'll get to hammer the ball if the ball's thrown over the middle. Palm Beach is a great test for him as a hitter. It's a very, very important learning, a school of learning there, too. If he spends a half a year down there, it's not going to hurt him in any capacity. He only stands to gain from that. So what I would do is I'd, Montero would go to Springfield, go back to Springfield. Uh, uh, Gorman would start the year at Palm Beach. And about the All-Star break, just like last year, uh, I'd give him the promotion. That's what I would do. Cardinals fan 22 says, I'm loving this Blues team right now. Yeah, we watched yesterday. It was awesome. Uh, they're fun to watch, man. That third period, they just rolled on Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh scored that fluky goal or whatever. Uh, but that was total domination in the third period. That was awesome. Carlangus says, hi, Kyle. What's up, Carlangus? Uh, Josh says, uh, who is your favorite position player prospect right now? Not the best, but your favorite. You know, I love Jan Torres. I love Jan Torres. Uh, deep sleeper. I love Brendan Donovan. You'll find out that when we get to the utility players. I just like his game and his swing and everything. You know, I, I love Angel Rondon, as you guys know, after reading the starting pitcher one. Uh, uh, you know, there's a relief pitcher that I wrote about today named Wilfredo Pereira. And Pereira is interesting. Like, he's not he's not going to wow you, but he's a, like he's a really interesting relief pitcher to keep an eye on. You know, there, there's a lot of guys in the organization that I like. Some of them will never make a major league debut. You know, for a couple of years now, I've been I've been talking about how much I like Brady Whalen. And at this point, you feel comfortable saying, you know what, Brady Wendland's never going to be a major leaguer. Doesn't mean he can't be, doesn't mean he won't be. It's just, you know, the odds are definitely against him, more so now, and we know that for a fact. I still like Brady Whalen a lot. Uh, Terry Fuller, I love watching. Man, you, saw, you, you can tell he's a football player, uh, but I love Terry Fuller. Like, uh, Justin Turner, you know, watching Justin Turner and Connor Capel play with reckless abandon in center field is a damn pleasure to watch. Uh, I'm not really a fan of Capel. I just like Turner and the way he plays. Uh, neither of them will probably be major leaguers. Capel, certainly not. Turner, potentially. Uh, but, we'll, you know, I, I, there's so many guys that are like Evan Kuczynski. Uh, guys like that, you know, not, potentially not the best player. Not guys that have huge value or huge ceiling. But those are the guys that I like. Uh, in three to four years, if Wong is gone and Cardinals stay in house, who do you see as the Cardinals' second baseman? Tommy Edmond. Uh, that's the easiest path of least resistance. Tommy Edmond, uh, Derek, that's my guess. Uh, at the lower levels, you know, I don't think they necessarily have a guy at, like, the super low level, lower levels. Now, we will get to the utility players uh, on Wednesday, but...
but I don't know if they have a guy that profiles best there that you would feel comfortable with them handing it over to. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Irving Lopez is older. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be Kramer Robertson. Uh, I hope not, at least. Uh, maybe Brendan Donovan. Uh, but Donovan's old for, for being at the levels he's been at. I like Donovan a lot. I think he can play second base. I think more than likely you're talking about Colton Wong being a Cardinal for his entire career, being the next legacy player. It seems like the Cardinals would be committed to something like that. Okay, what up, Keeper? How are you, brother? What up? Uh, let's see. Oh, Carlson and Thomas agreed. Yeah. Uh, oh, Carlson and Thomas agreed. That's right, from Ravala. You my boy. Uh, you, you my dog. Wait, what, what does he say? Dog? You, you my dog? Is that what it is? Uh, anyways, Jacob and a bunch of numbers. Uh, what do you think is a realistic outlook for 2020 for John, Jan Torres? I think he starts the entire year at Palm uh, at, uh, I think Jan Torres starts the entire year as a 20-year-old uh, at Peoria. And I think he gets off to a slow start because, as we found out from the Caribbean players, uh, uh, they struggle early on in the cold month of April in Peoria. That is a fact. doesn't matter if you're a pitcher or a hitter. You struggle if you're uh, uh, a Caribbean-born in Peoria. The Midwest League is tough. And then I expect him to get going, and I expect him to have, and this is lofty, lofty praise, but I expect him to have a similar season that, uh, in 2020 that Aliris Montero had offensively in uh, 2018 at, at, uh, at uh, uh, that Peoria. Night after show says, which young outfielder cracked the opening day roster? You know, I think uh, if you're counting Tommy Edmond, he's one. I think, look, the, I think it'll be just like what we saw at the end of the year, except for I think it's Lane Thomas and Stena Randy Rosarena. I think you're talking about, you know, I, if you're counting Bader, you're talking about Bader, O'Neal. Uh, let, let's do it this way. Bader, O'Neal, Thomas, J-Mart still, and Dexter Fowler. I think that that's how it rolls out. Uh, Tommy Edmond with the potential to play the outfield. I think that's what you're looking at. Uh, more than likely, that's where the smart money is. Uh, T, uh, Baron 19 says, I believe Shields is a good manager and builds confidence in his players, but he should use his bench. I agree. And I think he should use his bench properly. Uh, and I think he should be aggressive with pitching changes. I think that the Cardinals win a lot when he is being more aggressive. I think we've seen that. Look, I, I, I am critical of Mike Shields and I'm critical of him a lot. Uh, I definitely still believe he should have won a manager of the year, and he earned that, and it's deserved. I definitely know that his players love him. We all know that. I think he's a good manager. I definitely think he builds confidence. I think he creates a culture of love, and I think that that's his primary directive, like, as a person uh, in his own personal life. And I've got nothing but love and respect for that guy and what he's done. But, again, my issue expands to how he uses the pieces that he has uh, and sometimes the loyalty issues that he shows to the players that he has to be loyal to in order for the clubhouse to, to work right. Uh, but, you know, every good manager has to deal with that. Uh, Kiefer Roach says, I fell down the stairs with dilated eyes one time, and I wish I had discovered podcasts at the time. Yeah, we <laughs> it would have. That's how you get popular. The only way to get popular is to, you know, have concussion-like symptoms from dilated eyes because I was useless, so I feel your pain, Kyle. No, I get you. Uh, CardinalsFan022 says, do you feel... Do you see a velocity dip for Jordan when he comes back? Probably not when he comes right back. Uh, I, look, I doubt he's hitting 105 right off the bat. I doubt he's hitting 103, but he'll dial it up to 97, 100. You know, what was Trevor Rosenthal hitting this past year? It was like 97, 100. Uh, he was terrible, and hopefully that isn't the same with Jordan Hicks, and I don't think it will be. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable to see that he's hitting 100 a couple times. It's just you hope that that sticks for the month, two months that he's with the Major League Club. Uh, Austin Stone says it's just one of my boys. Price range, I'm thinking around 70 to 100. Uh, want it to be a nice one. Well, if you're doing 70 to 100, then get Booker's. Booker's is awesome because each one of their batches is different. Like, I've had two bottles of Booker's. My, my good friend Greg Eschelbach 
uh, uh, for being in his wedding, gave me a bottle of Booker's. Uh, amazing. It's an awesome display case, too, that comes with it. Uh, and then after that, that Christmas, I got another bottle of Booker's. And completely different. Completely different story behind it. Completely different taste. Uh, it's a unique gift that kind of comes in a display case anyways, and it's like 75 to 85 bucks, depending on when you're buying it. So I'd go Booker's, man. It's on that top shelf there, and it's in like a wooden case, uh, uh, and it says Booker's on like a plastic slide-out sleeve that goes up and down. Uh, concussion episode up there, though. That's the best episode we've ever had. Do you guys in STL have boiled custard? Moved to Maryland, and they don't have it. My heart is broken. I don't know what boiled custard is. Any idea? Josh, I don't know what boiled custard is. I know what frozen custard is. Uh, boiled custard's just like hot chocolate, right? Uh, Cards Gift says, and the one time the CEO of T-Mobile came in the chat and hinted at sponsoring. Yeah, that dude definitely bailed. He was like, I love the show. I want to do it. And then I was probably like, sometimes I cry while I masturbate. And he was like, I'll be back later. Uh, JND old number seven says, so why are the cards not considering the O second baseman and moving Wong for a pitcher? Well, the Cardinals aren't going to move Wong because they love him. He's still cost effective and he's probably the best second baseman in the national league. If he continues to hit like we saw in the second half of last year, uh, I get the sentiment there. Why haven't they claimed Villar or Jonathan VR? I don't know. I, I wish I know. Hopefully we see it happen. I doubt he'd pass all the way through to the Cardinals. Anyway, somebody else would pick him up. Uh, <laughs> boiled one. That's funny. Uh, who's a bigger STL le legend, Yachty or Nelly Yachty? Uh, Yachty, no doubt about it. Hard to believe, but Yachty, no doubt about it. I'm on the West Coast, so we aren't that creative from Drake, man. I get you. Uh, let's see. All I, am I the only one that loves Counter Capel as a prospect? Yeah, pretty much, Drake. No, so, Drake, here's the issue with Counter Capel. Uh, look, uh, he's an underrated defensive center fielder. I have to tell you, I like Counter Capel defensively in center field more than I ever could have imagined. He has a really strong arm, and again, just like with Justin Turner – those two guys play reckless out there. You know, Turner's season ended, I believe, because he got a concussion, trying to run through the wall in center field. Uh, made an amazing catch. You'll get that gift, too. Um, and Capel's the same way. Capel dives everywhere. He's aggressive throwing the ball. He's a very, very good outfielder. The problem with Capel is that swing is atrocious. It got better in 2019 as compared to 2018, but it's atrocious. It's bad. His hips fly way open. His hands do not follow the rest of his body. It's bad, and his approach is really bad, too. Now, he does have power, and power, power that could eventually manifest. It's just right now, man, unless he changes his approach completely and that swing completely, he's not much of a prospect in my book. I'll probably put him on the Dirty 35, uh, that I think, which, I, which I think says more about the state of the Cardinals organization than anything. Uh, but, I, uh, yeah, I want to give him a tat tip, too, for being the defensive center fielder he is. Uh, Swifter Sweeper from 120760HF. Uh, yeah, the only Swifter I know is a dog called Elliot. Uh, let's see, CardsFan022 says, do you see a similar season from Goldie coming again or as a bounce-back season? No, I would expect Paul Goldschmidt to do exactly what he did, uh, hopefully, uh, in 2020 as he did in 2019. Uh, in my mind, what you're talking about in the next four years of Paul Goldschmidt are similar to the last four years of, of Matt Holiday. I would expect that. I, I do think he can bounce back a little bit. Again, he gets 10 more hits in his batting average goes up like at least 10 points, right? Uh, but I think what we saw is we see a guy who's older, who definitely isn't getting around on the ball as fast as he used to. You can tell that he has some type of back or, or hip issue. Uh, it probably doesn't feel that way. He's probably just like grown into it uh, because his hips don't fly open like they used to. And not in like the bad way, like his hips don't explode is what I'm saying. And they're off time with their hands, his hands often. But you know, to me, the issue with Paul Goldschmidt, why I'm not as bullish on him like returning to MVP form 
uh, is that he just he swung and missed, and he looked bad a lot last year. Now, if he comes through in a couple different situations where he didn't come through last year, then we're talking about a completely different player and having different expectations of him entering the 2020 season. But he's older now, you know? <laughs> I think it's dangerous for him to say that, oh, this guy who's now one year older than he was and entering his mid-30s, again, not in his mid-30s, but entering his mid-30s, uh, can perform like he used to. Now, I say that, uh, but I'm 33, and I just probably had the most productive concrete season I've ever had. I uh, felt better. uh, uh produce more, did more by myself than I've ever done, yeah, more physical than I've ever been, uh, and uh, held up pretty well, all things considered. So maybe I'm completely off base. I don't, you know, we pour concrete at least 162 days a year, uh, uh, or maybe somewhere around there. Fuck, who knows? But um, anyways, I'm just saying that, yeah, it, maybe he can get his shit back together. Uh, but I would suspect that you're seeing something almost identical to what he did last year. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's probably still worth that money. And as long as he's continuing to play good defensively uh, and providing 30 home run power, I don't really know what else you can ask for. Um, I don't expect him to return to MVP caliber is what I'm trying to say. I know you did not just say boiled custard is hot chocolate. I don't know. I don't know what I said. Uh, uh, Aaron says, are you ever going to let Ashley join you and Pat? Absolutely not. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, would you say that Vader is the most expendable outfielder out of O'Neal, Bader, Lane, and Randy? Most expendable? Now, if if you're talking like if I'm running a front a front office, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the Cardinals don't view it that way. Who the Cardinals view as the most expendable? I, I wish I could tell you. You know, my guess is of those four, uh, Bader will get to um, uh, arbit arbitration sooner, and then after that, it's O'Neill. And I would imagine that of that group, O'Neill would be the one that they would find most expendable. Uh, uh, to me, it is Bader, absolutely. But I also don't, I don't put as much value into defensive metrics uh, as everyone else does, and I should. Uh, so I'm, you know, if you're talking about a guy who I view as a fourth outfielder, best utilized in late inning situations as a defensive replacement and as a base runner, uh, then, you know, that's a very expendable piece in my book. But uh, to be the defender that he is, a lot of people view that as a, a commodity that cannot be expended. Drake Mann says, Capel stance reminds me of Wade Boggs, to be honest. Yeah, if only he swung that way. Aaron says, Kyle, love the little drummer boy rendition of the SP podcast. What can I say? You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm touched by God. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jay Duda says, got some more homework to do tonight. Good luck, Kyle. Night. Hey, to you, Jay Duda. Good luck with homework. By the way, real fast. Uh, we probably should have got to this earlier, but this little logo right here, go to the Birds on the Black team store, and you can get yourself a zip-up hoodie with this little thing on the breast there. I guess it's this breast. Who knows? I'll put it on any breast you'd like. Uh, with the Prospects After Dark logo on the back. And, uh, yeah, get one of those. Buy some shit. Have some fun. Merry Christmas or whatever. Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. Uh, shitter's full. Let's see. A lot of talking going on. Why the fuck is the chat now all about boiled custard? I can't imagine. Because Josh and his fucking... <laughs> his life, I guess. I don't know. Too much. Uh, do you think Evan Mendoza bounces back from Jacob in a bunch of numbers? Yeah, you know, I'm really rooting for, uh, for Evan Mendoza. I, I had the privilege of interviewing him two years ago. I like him a lot. Uh, I'm a big fan. I definitely think that playing him at first base is the dumbest move the Cardinals could possibly make. He's the best defensive third baseman in the organization. Uh, I have a really interesting stat about his ability to get on base uh, that you're going to want to tune in for on Tuesday when we get to the third baseman. 
that I think it really, uh, really, really changes the dynamic of how we view his ability to get on base. I just think he became a really, really defensive hitter at the end of 2018 and for all of his season in 2019. Uh, and if he goes back to trying to be a little bit more aggressive with his swing, a little less defensive, then I think you're talking about a bounce back. Now, he's never going to have big power. That's not in his game. Uh, but he can definitely be uh, a higher OBP and a better average type hitter. Uh, so, yeah, I do. O'Neal is better with more potential. Yeah, he's look, Bader is on a different level defensively. Uh, to ignore that is completely, uh, it's for me, because I do it a lot, Bader's defense changes that entire conversation about his value and his ability uh, and, and whatnot. But look, I do think O'Neal offers more all around uh, uh, on day one uh, than, than Bader would. In fairness, Graham should probably be the first guest appearance. If there ever was one, no guest appearances. If anyone, it's going to be Card Car- Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals gift voice. Uh, Aaron says he's put in his dues. Let him out of the cage. Uh, Graham, no, no, stay. Sorry, forgot he gets out of control sometimes. Kyle, Jim on two birds on the bat seems to think that Gorman won't stick at third. You're like, well, I don't know what he said about sticking at third. I can't say that, but I definitely think Gorman sticks at third. Uh, I've been really impressed with with him, and you know, I've been very critical uh leading into this year about his ability to stick at third but uh, look i'm going to tell you the guy that i saw at the end of the 2019 season definitely sticks at third and it's funny to me you can and this isn't about jim this is more about the baseball america people which by the way when anyone gives when when other outlets give their rankings and don't send them to me because i don't want to read them and the only way i'm going to read them is if you send them to me and if i see them i I don't want to know what other people are saying about the prospect i have no interest in that uh, I have to have my own opinions in there with it. And then when I read it, I get frustrated because you can tell when people are going off of old information. Uh, shout out to Fangraphs. Uh, but you can tell when people are going on old information. And it frustrates the fuck out of me because it's misinformation. Uh, and I hate misinformation. I go out of my way to provide you with the most current information. And I spend a lot of my free time doing it. And I get frustrated when clowns uh, that have, are operating on one-year-old reports uh, are reporting like it's brand new info. Anyways, uh, again, that is not about Jim at all because I don't have the slightest idea what Jim said. Uh, but uh, I think right now he definitely sticks. I think he's an average projected major league third baseman with potentially potential for more. I know that we're talking about trying to project a 19-year-old that was playing at the advanced A level uh, uh, at third base, and I think that that's a, a just a dangerous, dangerous game to play. Uh, bets for Montero, Bader, and Gomber thoughts. So the, the bets thing's really simple. For one year of Paul Goldschmidt, the Cardinals gave up Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly, Andy Young, and a first-round draft pick. And to get one year of Mookie Betts, it's going to cost you at least those, at least that package and probably more. So Montero, Bader, and Gombert does not move the needle at all. Uh, Montero and Bader might get it started, but you'd have to add Gorman, uh, and you'd probably have to add Kisner. Uh, that might get the conversation headed in the right direction. But I would also think they would want pitching. So maybe you're talking about uh, uh, Woodford, uh Montero, uh, Bader, I don't even know, man. I don't even know. I don't think the Cardinals have the prospects to get it done. Uh, Aaron, I haven't heard him say that while you're on the pod. I get you. Keeper, do you realistically think Thompson will be pushed aggressively enough to make a debut in 2020? I don't think in 2020, no. Now, unless it's at the end of the year and the Cardinals have a clear need. Uh, but I do think that there's reason to believe that he's on that Dakota Hudson thing where he'll start at Springfield with a chance if everything goes right to, again, make that end-of-season uh, leap to the majors. Remember, I don't want the Cardinals to rush Zach Thompson. I want him to earn his way to an aggressive promotion. I want him to earn his way to an aggressive major league debut. 
I definitely think that he has the ability to do that. Remember, what steers my uh, my desire to get him to the major leagues as soon as he allows himself to get to the major leagues is that the, the lingering arm problems, elbow and shoulder, just like with Junior Fernandez last year, I kept saying, Junior Fernandez, get him to the major leagues. He's performing, get him to the major leagues. There's no reason to waste time getting him here uh, because eventually those arms are going to give out on him. It's just the fact of nature. You might as well get as many... Uh, innings and as many pitches out of them as you can while they while they're proving that they can handle it. Uh, let's see. Look at look at me now. Says uh, what will Gorman be up uh, two years? Also, what's your view on him? So we're talking about Gorman again. Uh, just to recap, we'll double back around. My guess would be that if all things go as planned with Nolan Gorman, you're talking about a debut in 2021, end of 2021, beginning of 2022, right in that time frame. If everything goes as planned, my view on him now is that. Look, he's, he's the clear, because I've removed, so in my book, Andrew Kisner is the number two prospect in the Cardinals organization uh, behind Dylan Carlson. I've removed Kisner from my list, so Gorman is number two on the list. I don't think you're going to argue uh, with Kisner removed that Gorman is your number two, but he's not nearly as polished in any capacity as Dylan Carlson was entering the 2019 season when Dylan Carlson's stock really rose. Keep that in mind. Now, he can be an average fielder. He has the potential to be an average fielder. He looks really bad at the plate often from both lefties and righties, but he also does some really, really serious damage. I think he's 19 years old, and it would do well to get two full seasons of development in, starting at A-Advanced Palm Beach this year, uh, finishing at Springfield, maybe starting at Springfield or starting at AAA and finishing at AAA in 2021. Uh, that's my take on Gorman. Look, he has a lot of work to do on his approach uh, and understanding how he's being attacked and adapting to how he's being attacked before I feel comfortable like really projecting when he'll make a major league debut. debut. Uh, let's see. Surprise prospect that has a breakout season from Cards Rep 7. So I guess the question is, what do you mean by breakout? You know, like Avon Herrera is definitely going to be like the next flashy name in the organization. He's going to be the next Dylan Carlson where everyone – like. When people talk about the Cardinals' prospects, they're going to talk about Nolan Gorman and Avon Herrera. Uh, those will be the guy. You know, last year, in my mind, Angel Rondon had a breakout. Uh, we saw that coming. We liked that a lot. One of the infielders that I love is Brendan Donovan. I just love that kid's swing. I love his approach. I love that no one really knows how to field against him. Uh, he definitely got hurt by shifts. Uh, he had, like, one really bad month in there, and that was by shifts. Uh, but he was trying to adjust and trying to take the ball to the opposite field. He has a good count, gets on base a ton, plays a really good second base. I know he plays a solid third, too. I'd like to see him play third more. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, you know, I'm a big Jan Torres fan. I, I don't know if you can, but it's tough for me because I've been talking about Jan Torres and Malcolm Nunez for so long now that I can't see them breaking out. At the lower levels, there's a third baseman named Ramon Mendoza that I know nothing about who had a great statistic year that I'm anxious to keep a closer eye on. You know, I think Terry Fuller, uh, I, he has a lot of work to do on the outfield, more work than I'm leaving on. But I think Terry Fuller all of a sudden could find his way back onto a prospect map somewhere with another offseason of health dedicated to baseball. You know, a, a pitching side's a little rougher. I don't know if the Cardinals have that, like, standout pitcher that you think, oh, wow. You know, one of the guys I wrote about that I don't think is, like, a big-time pitcher, but Dalton Roach. I'm intrigued by the former 21 or 21st-round pick by the Astros. I love that story. I think that that's a lot of fun. You know, didn't sign with them. Uh, uh, went, to, went to play for the River City, River City Rascals. Cardinals signed him from the River City Rascals. Rascals don't exist anymore. Uh, I love that. I think that that's a really cool story. You know, uh, there's there are a lot of guys like that. Um, if we're picking somebody who is probably already on the peripheral of having a breakout, it's Ivan Herrera, and there isn't really a number two. 
Uh, if we're talking about like a deep sleeper, a guy who could go from being the back end of the dirty 35 to the middle part, uh, it's Brendan Donovan, I'm going to say. And then I think people are sleeping on Luke and Baker. I think Luke and Baker ends up having a monster year in the Texas league. Uh, his defense is still questionable at first base, but I think Luke and Baker ends up having a monster year in the Texas league. Uh, those 32 doubles that he hit in 2019, I think that 10 of those become home runs. And you're talking about a guy who it's 25 doubles and 25 home runs uh, in the Texas league while walking 20 or uh, walking eight, nine, 10% of the time and striking out 20 to 22% of the time. Uh, I know that that is a very, very long winded way of getting to your question. Uh, and I know it's not very specific, but that's just where I'm at. Like there are just so many good names. You know, I, I like a lot of the guys and uh, you know, one of the guys that I want to pimp for a little bit is Ben Yokely, uh, air force Academy graduate, 27 years old. He's not a prospect. He spent two years doing his service time in the air force. Uh, uh, then came back. He's way better than Mitchell. Mitch Harris was, uh, his fastball is explosive. He's a relief pitcher. He has a really good slider. Like that's the kind of guy that I could stump for. If you're talking about from the draft prospects, Logan Gregg, give me Logan Gregg. You know, I like Jack Ralston a lot. Ralston apparently is sticking in the bullpen, which is a dumb, dumb, dumb move for the Cardinals. Uh, I get why they're doing it. He's mostly a fastball curveball pitcher, uh, but give the guy the innings, let him work on a third pitch and hope to get the best results from it. Uh, but I like Logan Gregg more than I realized. I, I actually, I had him outside of the prospects I was going to talk about. I'm just going to hit on him very briefly. And when I, I watched all of the starts that I could, and I, I am gushing on that kid. There's something more there. Uh, oh, uh, eighth round pick, Logan Gregg out of Oklahoma State. Uh, righty, throws about 93-95 with this fastball. Has a really good slider. Uh, uh, seems like he throws a curveball in there somewhere. Changeup is somewhat iffy. Uh, but that's a great eighth round pick. Uh, got his velocity back. Had Tommy John surgery in 2017. To see him recover in 2019 was really awesome. So uh, those are just some names, and I hope that that satiates your craving. Uh, Seas is 5'9". Oh, boy. Farmer Vala getting me fired up. Yeah, how funny was that, Farmer Vala? For two years, I kept saying, he's not 5'9". MILB, uh, Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, uh, Pipeline, everyone had him at 5'9". And it didn't matter who I told, they would not change it to 6'1". He had a Twitter account that he was active on. You could see he wasn't, you know, small. He's a good-sized guy, you know? Uh, And no one would change it. Now, finally, everyone's changed it to 6'1". Uh, Kiefer says, forgot that I called you Concrete Daddy on my pod. Can I bring that back? How's the Concrete game? Uh, concrete is not happening now because it's wintertime, and I can't wait for Concrete to fire back up. Uh, I miss it. Uh, I, I miss Concrete. I love doing Concrete. I really do. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, and yes, please call me Concrete Daddy. Uh, let's make this a Concrete podcast. I do not want to. You, you know how a minute ago when I said I love Concrete? That's how I'd end up hating Concrete. Uh, let's see. Uh, bet package is probably like Hudson Kisner and plus. Yeah, I think I think that's a safe bet. I think for Mookie Betts, the the Red Sox, and even for Lindor, the Red Sox and the Indians are going to want somebody who can slide into the, the major league rotation right away, uh, and not like in a Gomber, Ponce de Leon, John Gant kind of way, in a high upside. So Hudson, uh, uh, Helsley, like it has to be somebody like that, I would think. And again, Kisner too. I think that that's yeah exactly what you're talking about. Uh, let's see, what is Woodford? He is a starting pitcher. He's number four on our list. He'll More than likely, he'll be way higher uh, than some of the other guys that we mentioned in the starting pitcher list uh, when we get to it. But, uh, yeah, you know, Jake Woodford is a 23-year-old starting pitcher who the Cardinals drafted in the first round. I uh, had a good first half of the year at Memphis and then kind of fell apart in the second half. 
He throws a curveball that can be good. He has a fastball that's like 92, 95 range consistently. But also when he doesn't have it, it's like 90, 93. The issue with, with Jake Woodford, who was just added to the Cardinals 40-man in protection from the Rule 5 draft, is that he fucks around with hitters, and it hurts him. It hurts him big time. Uh, uh, if he would just be a little bit more aggressive towards hitters, uh, I think that he would have better results. But he, he, he fiddle fucks around with his breaking pitches on the outside corner, doesn't get him over the plate enough, uh, which is a tough boundary. It's a tough, you know, that's the toughest thing about pitching, right? You want to get pitchers to, you want to get hitters as a pitcher to create soft contact and strike out. Like, you, that's what you want. So you, what you do is you try to keep your stuff out of the middle of the plate. And Woodford does that. It's just that he does it poorly, and it hurts him. Now, it's not, like, it's not uncommon, and it's not something that he can't get over. And I do think if he would just be more aggressive, it would really pay off in the long run. And since we're talking about just it being aggressive, we're not talking about an issue with his stuff, which, by the way, his, his four-seamer can get flat sometimes. His sinker's a pretty solid pitch. I like his curveball. Uh, again, he doesn't command it the way you'd want it to, and it finds the middle of the plate a little too often. Uh, and his changeup is solid, too. Uh, but it's just a matter of him being aggressive and going after hitters. I, I really think it's just that simple, instead of trying to nickel and dime them on the corners. Uh, let's see. Blake Trainin rumored to be available. That'd be interesting. Yeah, you know, Trainin and Giles are the two relief pitchers that seem like the most realistic uh, uh, acquisitions via trade for me uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Carlson is greater than Gorman each at their peak. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably safe, you know, from a full-on, all-around perspective. Uh, Gerald and his AB says, RIP Roberto Clemente. Uh, yeah, RIP Roberto Clemente. 3,000 hits, Roberto Clemente. Uh, a cultural icon. I'll raise my glass to that and drink to that. Well, who was... Didn't we have a player come into pad? Who was the the, uh, the, uh, the Dominican player that came into pad? Uh, Unieski Betancourt? He was in here for an episode of pad. You guys remember that? Jesus. Look at me now. Uh, what's your MLB comp for Carlson? You know, uh, man, I don't know. It's tough because he's a switch hitter. You know, he's not... It, look, in my opinion, I do view him as a potential to have a couple all-star games under his belt. He'll get MVP votings at some point in his career. I don't know if he'll finish 10th or 1st or 15th or 3rd. Uh, but... It's tough. Like, he's not going to be – I don't believe he's going to be Lance Berkman. I don't believe he's going to be Carlos Beltran. Uh, you know, you're talking about guys who are fringe Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, I've said on here that, like, from a Cardinal perspective, like, Cardinal fans know, Andy Van Slyke. Like, Andy Van Slyke is, is the kind of guy – maybe even Keith Hernandez, like, from an offensive output standpoint. Uh, you know – even if you're looking at it, you know, just if you're eliminating the player, if you're looking at it, like even on a Matt Carpenter, a guy who is a career 270 hitter and gets on base 37% of the time, 36% of the time, averages 20 home runs in a year uh, and 30 doubles, 35, 40 doubles a year. Like that's, that's kind of similar. Uh, he's a good center fielder. He gets turned around sometimes, but then you would expect that out of a guy who's only played center field for one year in his life. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's as good as I could do. You know, I think Starling Marte is a viable option as a comparison. It's tough to find the, the switch hitter. It really is. Um, but, yeah, something like Starling Marte I could see at his, his ultimate peak. Uh, let's see. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Have people asked you about Delvin yet? Uh, we haven't talked about Delvin yet uh, on this show. And we'll be talking about Delvin when we get to the utility players on Wednesday. Uh, but, you know, you'll look at Delvin's stats and you'll say, wow, another down year for Delvin. 
Uh, but what, what we do know for a fact is he had a better 20, 2019 than he had a 2018. We saw him make great progress defensively once again. Uh, he's, he's becoming more aware of how to steal bases. Uh, that's a positive. He's using his speed as a positive on the base pass and at the plate. Um, we saw that when he hits at the top of the lineup, he becomes a more patient hitter, and that plays well for him. Uh, we've seen gains. It's just still not pretty. He's still super skinny. He needs to bulk up uh, to, to regain his prospect standing in my book. Uh, what makes Herrera do? What makes Herrera interesting? Well, it's his ability to. What does Herrera do that makes him interesting? Is a question. Uh, it's his ability to make solid contact, to use all fields, uh, to walk, uh, to play a pretty good defensive catcher. Although it still has work to do. Remember, he's only 19 years old. Uh, there's plenty of work to be done all the way around. But he's just he's a 19 year old with a very very good feel for how to hit and what to do in every count. Uh, and to use all fields, and to not strike out, and to walk plenty. Uh, uh, with being super athletic at the same time, like, this isn't Yadier Molina or Carson Kelly behind the plate, you know, the, or on the base pass, or running. Like, he's not slow. He's like Andrew Kisner. He's going to go second to home, first to third. You know, he's athletic. There's athleticism in with his advanced understanding of how to hit for a 19-year-old. Josh says, do you think Kisner being Yachty's backup and only playing like 40 games might stifle his development? Uh, look, if you think Andrew Kisner is going to even play 40 games as Yachty's backup, the only way he plays 40 games is if he's hurt, if Yachty gets hurt for an extended period of time. If Yachty's healthy all year, then you're talking about maybe 25 games or 30 games a year. Uh, remember, there's a way to do it that it doesn't hurt his development. It involves bringing in a backup catcher uh, and using Kisner as your primary bench bat. I don't think that that stifles his development as much. Uh, again, that becomes capable because of the 26 man. Now, um, I don't think that it stifles his development as much if you do that. But I do think if you're talking about him having a traditional backup role to Yadier Molina, then yeah, absolutely. You might as well send him back down to AAA and get as many at-bats as possible. As a matter of fact, you might as well trade him for something that will help you now and let him have a major league career somewhere else uh, and give him a chance to impress. Kiefer says, anyone catching your eye in the Dominican Summer League? No, I – yeah, the so – the DSL is a completely different world for me. I will say a player who started in the DSL and found his way to the GCL, Ramon Mendoza is an interesting name to keep an eye on. I don't know anything about him. Uh, Diwell Burgess is a name that a lot of people ask me about. We'll get to him on the outfielders. Keep an eye out. Uh, Yorlin De Los Santos, people love. I'm not a fan. Uh, uh, Ludwig Jimenez, who I believe is at the GCL all year. Uh, pitcher, not really, big, not really a big Ludwig Jimenez fan, but I want to see more of him before I commit to anything. Uh, uh, those are really the only names that come to my mind. Aaron says, Kyle, would you include Hudson in a major trade knowing that you have Helsley there? Yeah, I'd include Hudson in a minor trade. Uh, Treble Clef says, I think Dan Jansen is one of the best. I think you're one of the best. Uh, Quinn says, this stats paper is killing me. Sorry I'm late. Hey, Quinn, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, welcome to Prospects After Dark. I think Ken Herbeck is good. I think, uh, 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 Pat Henkin is better. Uh, Drake Van says, have a great night, Pat. Got to get some homework done. Hey, have a great night, Drake. Thanks for being in here as always. Uh, Chef USMC 211111. I missed it. Do you, uh, do you think Thompson breaks the 40-man this year? I, th I will say that Thompson does not break the 40-man this year. I think the Cardinals are, uh, uh, are a little bit more conservative. I definitely think he'll have a chance early in 2021 to find his way to the major leagues. Now, I do think that if he's pitching lights out and he's up at AAA and the Cardinals have a need for it, they got to call on him. 
They have to use their best pitchers available. So I hope he puts himself in a position to be on the 40-man uh, come September time. Uh, I don't think it happens, and we're just going to have to wait and see. It's a great question, though. Nick Luma says, Helsley, Montero, Bader, and Delvin, that's the package. No, that's still not enough. Uh, Helsley, Montero, Bader get it close, but I think you'd have to include somebody else, and how dare you trade Brian Helsley. Uh, do you think... Do you have any, like, sleeper trade targets that people aren't talking about? Look, I've been so invested in writing about the Cardinals organization and the minor leaguers that I haven't done any research on who may or may not be available, and I'm sorry about that. Once we get through uh, our organizational rankings, I promise we'll get into that. Jay Hart, our good friend Jay Hart, says, oh, what is the outlook for Henness' career this year? Bullpen or will he compete for a starter spot? Yeah, so we talked about that, and I think that more than likely the Cardinals have Carlos Martinez penciled in as a starter – which would take, you know, the last of the five spots. But I think we'll have that, like, fake competition where Ponce de Leon and Gantt and Helsley and Henesis, uh, they all get a chance to uh, compete for that spot. We're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, but I think more than likely you're talking about a guy who starts the year up in the bullpen uh, and provides valuable bullpen innings and probably moves up and down throughout the majors, uh, minors, throughout the entire year, I would think. Quinn, I've seen some Conforto Carlson comps. Yeah, so I think that there's a swing comparison there. Uh, I like Conforto a lot. Uh, something, yeah, something like that. That could be really interesting. Uh, I'd really like to know what Michael Conforto would look like. By the way, shout out to Graham again. Uh, but I'd really like to know what Michael Conforto would look like had he not missed all that time with health. I definitely think he's an impact type player. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was Unel Escobar. I think you're right from Brian uh, J underscore five. Carlson is Langford. Ooh, I like that. Uh, that would be amazing, Nick Loomis. Gould has said that he could see Carlson becoming an early career Yelich. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, I get, I get it. I get, like, a team's number two hitter that plays a good defense. Yeah, something like that. Maybe. Maybe. That's a good comp. I like that. Kiefer Dean Roach, do you think the Cardinals steal even more bases in 20 than they did last year? No. Uh, it just depends. It just depends. It depends on how often Tommy Edmonds playing. Uh, it depends on how often uh, uh, Harrison Bader or whoever the outfielders are are getting on base. Uh, I'll say, no, they don't, but not by a lot, only by, like, three less. Uh, poop Ants, Poop Ants, Poop Ants says, I got dried. Yeah, me too, my pants aren't pooping. Uh, Aaron says, the other day I was comparing the Cards team stats to the 14-15 Royals. Some interesting similarities. Yeah, you know, Ryan, or, uh, you know, Adam, my guess is that if you compared the Cardinals to every team in the history, you'd be able to find a lot of uh, interesting similarities. Farmer Vala says, Delvin positive. He had a lot more extra bases this year. Very, very well said. That's something that we hit on in his, uh, his write-up here in uh, a couple days. When is the St. Louis Distillery going to sponsor Pad? It's a no-brainer. Hey, I'm all about it. Uh, I say that, but then, you know, we've had people kind of reach out about being a part of the show, and I've turned it down. So, uh, Smith, uh, Smith Conrad, Conrad Smith says, I, I don't understand what's not to like about Dakota Hudson. Oh, look, is that anything about, like, I like Dakota Hudson. Uh, what it is is you see a guy who – gets hit around pretty hard and who is reliant very heavily on a ground ball. And, you know, if you don't get the ground ball, then there's going to be a lot of damage. You know, there's that whole, his FIP is ex exponentially higher than his ERA, which usually is a good sign that a pitcher is going to come back to earth if their ERA is super low and their FIP is super high. Uh, he could be the outlier in that. He throws, a, uh, he throws enough of a, an arsenal that you would think that he would be able to have sticking power, staying power rather. I get that. I'm about that. I respect that. I like that. I just think that, I think that he's the type of pitcher where things need to go right for him pretty consistently, and that concerns me. Uh, but he had a great 2019 season. He definitely earns a spot in the starting rotation in 2020. And here's the hoping for, for continued success from him. 
Uh, he's definitely capable of it. I just, since the beginning of time, have always been bigger on Ryan Helsley. But I get what you're saying. Uh, Christmas wish, play talent over contract, Randall Rose. Yeah, yeah, I, even that, like, Harrison Bader doesn't have a huge contract. I just want them to play the best players. I, 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 don't, I don't care about any of it. And Mundo Sosa, what does he do for STL? Now, Nick Loomis asked that question, and let me tell you my thoughts about that. Uh, uh, Jairo Munoz does not have a role on the St. Louis Cardinal team. Not at all. Uh, he's not a defensive replacement because he's not very good defensively really anywhere. Uh, and now your utility player uh, is switch-hitting Tommy Edmond. I like the idea of having Edmundo Sosa in that role of that guy that hardly ever plays, and when he plays, he's a defensive substitution. Uh, I think that's his role with the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, don't forget that he has surprising pop, too. Surprising, he has good speed and the ability to get extra base hits. Uh, uh, I like him in the Gyro Munoz role. That's what I like. And it won't happen. It'll still be Gyros. They love Gyro, but that's my thoughts. Uh, CardsFan022 says, will pads still be going on when baseball starts back up? Yeah, we do pad. We try to do pad once a week. There's no guarantee that we'll actually do it once a week. Uh, but we try to do prospects after dark. Once a week, whether it be the off season or the regular season, uh, and we take great pride in it, and it's a fun little, happy little community, and we're glad that you're here and you are a part of it. Josh says, "I'm excited to see a Cardinals team with a full year of Jeff Albert as hitting coach." Yeah, you know, uh, I've seen conflicting reports about that. When I looked at the stats, it looked like every one of the hitters did a little bit better, uh, uh, except for uh, Fowler and DeYoung, and DeYoung was fatigued, no doubt about it. When uh, uh, when Albert fully took over. Uh, but I've also seen somebody put stats up where it said like the Cardinals were in like the back third and all defensive or on all offensive stats after he took over uh, after uh, Budaska got fired. So I don't know. I'm gonna have to do a little bit more research on that. But yeah, I want to see. Uh, Quinn says, "Are you gonna be a winter warm up?" Probably not. That's not really my bag, but we'll see. Uh, Aaron says, "On the other hand, you can see how trading him now would be selling high." Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at too. Uh, replacing Munoz with Greg Bird just because. Yeah, Bird, 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 Bird is a word. Cheers to you, Kyle, and gifts, of course. Night, night, fat folks. Cheers to you, Keeper. Thank you for being in here. So uh, We're getting close to the end of our night. Uh, to everybody at Prospects, after all you pad people, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, I hope you're enjoying. I raise my glass to you. We are nothing without you. Uh, sorry, good night, Concrete Daddy. There we go, Keeper. Well done. Got hooked on pad. Thanks, Kyle. Hey, Randall, to you, I raise my glass. Thank you for being in here, buddy. Uh, Cheers. And also, intern Maddie, who hasn't been in here in a while, my good friend intern Maddie, who I love and I got to meet earlier this year, I raise my glass to the two of you, Randall and Maddie. Maddie says, I remember when Munoz walked off the Pirates. Uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was a, a, a just a great moment. You know, he's the one thing I really did. Well, I, look, I like a lot about Gyro. I like that he, it's, this is going to sound like old white baseball coach, uh, but I like that he, he chokes up on the bat when he gets two strikes and kind of like punches at the ball. Uh, it doesn't do anybody any good, and it really hasn't paid off for him, but I like it. Uh, I like the flair and the fire that he plays with. It seems like he'll break up a play at second base and then get in the guy's face, or a play will be broken up at second base, and he'll get in the base runner's face. Uh, I like that flair, that 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 competitive edge that he plays with, and I think it serves him well. And I love little moments like that because he gets super fired up. You know, The thing about Munoz is you can tell that he's really tight with the with Yachty and J-Mart, and that plays well for him. And uh, you can tell he's a really, really sweet and affectionate guy, and I like that. I like that in my baseball players. I like that in my players. Uh, Aaron says, uh, BT, Herrera, and Kisner, whose defensive ceiling do you think is ultimately higher? I think Herrera's is higher. Uh, the best way of putting it is, you know, Kisner entered the organization at 22, and Herrera is 19. And Herrera's defense right now is better than Kisner's was when Kisner first entered the organization. Uh, 
I do think Kisner's a better defensive catcher now than Herrera is. But you're talking about a 19-year-old that was as good as the other guy was when he was 22. Uh, so I will take Herrera as having a higher defensive ceiling. Uh, you know, it's the difference between a guy playing his entire life and a guy stumbling into it uh, based on opportunity later on. Shep, USMC21111 says, Do you really think the cards can't dump Carp and Fowler for little to nothing? Yeah, I don't. And I really do think that Jonathan VR shows us. Uh, the issue is the money tied up in these older guys. You know, if they were younger and had some money tied up in them, somebody might take a chance. Or if they were their age and a little cheaper, uh, I do. But the thing is, no one's going to want to pay that much money. The reason the Orioles are cutting uh, cutting ties with VR is because he's going to cost them $9 million. Just $9 million for a team that has like a sub-$50 million projected payroll for 2020. Uh, it's all about money. It's a, There is a weighted war formula, and McCovey Chronicles tweeted it out, where if you're a 0-1 to one war player, you get $3 million. If you're a 1-3 to three million, uh, one to three war player, you get somewhere between 3 and $6 million a year or something like that. And then, you know, after after the three war and up, it varies depending on your, your level of wardom. And that's, that has become religion for these front offices. Uh, so nobody's going to want to pay. The Cardinals would have to eat all of that contract just to get rid of them, and they're not going to do that. That's not how they asset manage. Uh, Cardinals fan 022 says, What I love about Goldie is he never gets injured. Yeah, I love him. I love him. And I'm sure he's injured all year long, and he just fights through it because he's, he's got that Scott Rowland in him. You know, since for forever now, I've been comparing him to Scott Rowland. He has that Scott Rowland in him where he's kind of a lumberjack, and I don't think there's any stopping him. You know, he's a little underspoken, although – from what I understand, Roland was better, like more of a normal human being in the clubhouse, and Goldschmidt's like that um, non-human, uh, unemotional robot, which I fully respect and love, uh, aspire to be myself. And, uh, yeah, so I, I do love that about him. I love the fact that he's playing every day. Uh, Aaron says, glad I made it tonight. Thanks for all your badass work. Hey, Aaron, I really appreciate all your – all like all – so the thing about Aaron is Aaron is always like he communicates with me in DMs. He communicates with me on Twitter. He's always in here. And when he's in here, he's communicating. I love it. This is this is why our pad community flourishes the way that our pad community flourishes. It's because of guys like Aaron, all of you people who are in here now, all the people who have been in here, because it's an open community where people talk and we're not afraid to talk. Uh, and I, I love that. I appreciate that. So to you guys. Victoria, sounds like you're having some fucking weather Wi-Fi issues. We need that snow to stop falling. Quinn says, I miss the days when we had a manager who told us Munoz could play all nine positions. Yeah, remember that time when uh, 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 Mike Matheny told us that Jairo Munoz could play center field because his son told him that he was a good center fielder, uh, uh, although Munoz had never played center ever before? Uh, amazing stuff. Shed USMC21111. Do you really think the Cardinals can't dump Carp? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Herrera, because he's Latino. I, I, I'm all, I respect the Latinos. Well, older players, you're almost always better off keeping them, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe. Unless you've got $20 million a year tied up in them. A bench of J-Mart, VR, Edmund, Kisner, Thomas is sexy as hell. Yeah, I, I like it. It sounds good to me. A lot of options. A lot of... Man, I, I love it. And I'll tell you what, with that 26-man... I like the idea of another, like a backup catcher, so you can actually utilize Kisner. Jacob in a bunch of numbers says, "Listen to the pod every week. Glad I could catch it live." Jacob, I raise my glass to you. I'm thrilled to have you in here. Uh, I love having you in live, and thank you for the support and catching the podcast. I hope you're enjoying all the stuff that we're doing on Birds on the Black. Quinn says, "Someone should let the Baseball Writers Association know that Scott Rowland exists." Yeah, I saw. I forgot who it was. It might have been Cards. Cards tweeted out a bad. Um, 
a bad uh, 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 ballot where somebody voted for 10 people and Roland wasn't one of them. It blows my mind. Cards Indy says, really been enjoying the write-ups. Thanks for all you do for Cardinal Nation. Hey, Cards Indy, hey, thank you so much for that. You know, it's I know it's kind of a weak thing, but it really does make me feel good when you guys say that stuff. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't feel good when they say it. So thank you so much for saying it. Thank you so much for clicking on it and enjoying it. And I hope I continue to provide you with information that you view as vital and important to your fandom. C70 says, man, he's still going. I've done a whole podcast in this time. Uh, which reminds me, you're going to want to check out Tara and C70 on uh, Gateway. Uh, it's the podcast that they do on Sunday nights. Uh, check them out. We love them. Uh, and it's amazing stuff. And I'll probably listen to it tomorrow uh, on my way to work. Uh, gonna snow until Tuesday morning. Uh, I hope not. That's terrible. Matheny about to lead the Royals to 100 win season. 97 wins. The only plus is that I'll have snow on the ground for my birthday. Hey, oh, well, then an early birthday cheers to Victoria. Uh, to you, Victoria, happy birthday. I hope you have a great day. Yeah, Ashley says happy birthday, too. Nick Loomis says Weeder's coming back. You know, I think, uh, man, I'll tell you what, I think that 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 Brewers team would be a really good fit for Weeder's. Uh, I don't know if he'll go there. I do think my, I th like, unless Matt Weeder's just really likes the role where he only plays, like, unless he absolutely has to. Which, honestly, if you're going to get paid, it'd be nice to get paid a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million dollars, to just, like, chill and only play when they're like, oh, man, Yachty's got a, a scrotum that exploded. Uh, you're going to have to play for a month. Like, maybe that's the role that he wants. But I can't imagine why a guy that talented would would pass up on an opportunity to play, like, a, a, at least in a, a timeshare catcher. Now, maybe the role works for him. Maybe he likes the Cardinals. Maybe he loves St. Louis. I don't know. Uh, I do hope he comes back. I just... I can't imagine it happening. Uh, but then again, I, I, that's because I assume that everybody wants the most money and the most playing time. Maybe Weeders is after something different. CardsFan022 says, nothing better to do on a Sunday night than a good old episode of Pad. I love that. we got to get shirts made up of that. Thank you for saying so, CardinalFan022. Uh, your observation that the Cardinals develop utility infield is, is really astute. Yeah, it's something that they are continuing. Uh, so do you think it's a problem was the other part of that question from Aaron. I don't think it's a problem. You know, I think it's interesting, and I do think it's important that they continue to develop shortstops. Like, Delvin Perez is staying at shortstop. Mateo Gill is staying at shortstop. I think that's important. Uh, but I like the fact that the second baseman, the third baseman, they're they're making a point to develop as outfielders, as shortstops, as second baseman, third baseman. Some of these guys are getting time at first. Like, I think that it's smart and it's important. Because most of these guys were never going to make it to the majors as a second baseman. Most of these guys are never going to make it to the majors as a third baseman. But maybe if they can become utility players, it gives them a, a chance. gives you a chance to get these guys to the majors in some capacity. Uh, I think that you just got to be smart with it. You just got to be smart with it. Like, it doesn't do anyone any good to have uh, uh, Evan Mendoza playing first. That is a waste of time. Uh, sure, he struggled in 2018 at short. Uh, so... The way to the, you don't pivot and all of a sudden make him a part-time first baseman. Your best third baseman in, in your organization. You give time at second. You put him in the outfield. You just got to be smart about it. Uh, I like what they're doing. Just continue to be smart about the way they're doing it. Uh, he's worth one million one point five. You think they gave Kisner a new bulletproof cup, or did they wash Carson Kelly and give him that? That was their that was their uh, their uh, their walk away. They were like, oh, here you go. Uh, uh, Thank you for playing for the Cardinals. Here's Yachty's old used cup. Tara says, Weeders is secretly a diehard Blues fan and he doesn't want to leave. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I love that. That'd be great. I love the fact that he's like, look, I just, I'm really, really, really excited 
about the XFL team coming. I am a I'm a diehard XFL fan. I love the XFL. I just I want to root for the Battle Hawks. I love their color scheme. Uh, I'm going to stay in St. Louis for the Battle Hawks and for the Blues. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Maybe that's maybe that's his motives. Uh, maybe again, I wouldn't doubt it. Like I think about me, uh, if I had a chance at a million dollar payday and I had to do as little work as possible to get there. Now I, I would never work for me because I want to work and work and work and work. But if I had that, then I probably take it too. So who knows? But uh, yeah, the rumor on this Tara from now on, the rumor on the street is. Weeders is staying because he loves the blues. He uh, he double dates with Petro and his wife. Kyle, I showed your birds on the black ranking article to my dad over Thanksgiving, and he likes. Cool, that's awesome, Aaron. Uh, he never heard of birds on the black before. Ooh, hey, Graham. Welcome, you little whore. Uh, it's way too late for you. Go back to bed, boy. Uh, let's see. Look at, look at me now. What do you think is Tommy Edmonds' best position? Uh, you know, it's going to sound crazy. I think it – well – I will say when I watched him at the minor leagues, I always thought it was shortstop. I think at the major league level, it makes sense for him to be a second baseman long-term. He can handle third. But if it, you can call it a position, uh, utility is his best position. Give him, give him reps at second, at third, at short. You know, if he has to go up the outfield, send him to the outfield. But his best position, and it's where he produced most offensively too, which is really interesting when you think about it, is to be able to move around the diamond. He has a strong enough arm to play short. Look, it's not great, but it's a strong enough arm to play short. He tries to get to everything that he can. He gets a good first step. He can get to stuff that a lot of other people can't. Uh, but I think that his best role, where he's best suited defensively, is actually short in the long term. Uh, although most people would make the case that it is second, and that makes a lot of sense too. Uh, uh, but I think that you optimize his value by making him the utility player that he is. I made the team as a utility worker, water department. Hey! So well, utility workers, I'm basically a glorified utility worker myself, Randall. I like that. I can respect anyone who's a utility worker. Uh, my mom just heard you call me a whore from Graham. But did you tell her that you're a good whore? See, you've got to have these conversations with your parents. Like they, It's important that your mom knows that you're, you're like the finest whore I've ever had, Graham. Uh, and you've been the perfect proper whore since you were 18. Do you think Carpenter, and I, again, since you were 18, FBI! Since he was 18, he's been a great whore. Never a minute beforehand. I wouldn't know about that. You'll have to ask Pat B about that. I can't help you. Uh, anyways, do you think Carpenter can pull it together at least somewhat next year? Yeah, I'm not as down. Oh, God, Tara. Tara, I swear to God, if I would have known, I should have known that you were in here. I apologize for the whore talk a little while ago. UNC 70, I respect too much to be the delinquent that I am. Uh, do you think Carpenter can pull it together? So our good friend Ben Sorority at Birds on the Black put together, a, a, he's working on his projection systems for 2020. And I'm going to blow a little, a little bit of it. He had uh, his projection system gives Chris, or Chris, gives Matt Carpenter, I'm starting to get drunk, gives Matt Carpenter an on-base percentage, of, or an OPS on-base plus slugging of about 770. And I could see that. I could definitely see that if he's used properly, if he's getting rest. I think rest is the key for Matt Carpenter. We saw him have a very effective September, and he was getting a little bit more rest and getting in better matchups. I think that's the key to maximizing Matt Carpenter. Uh, you probably talked about this already, but C70 had me podcast, so I uh, can't wait for Montero right up. So give me a sneak peek. Well, you know, a lot of, uh, I'll be honest with you, Tara, a lot of my sneak peek about Aliris Montero's write-up is it's a lot of me defending him as still being one of my favorite prospects, even though he had a bad 2019 season. You know, uh, one of the things that we know is he got himself into tremendous shape entering 2019. You know, kind of let some of that, uh, that baby fat melt off of his body and turned it into really strong muscle. I, I am very complimentary about his defense. I was very impressed, especially going back and watching uh, uh, how how many like the strides that he's made defensively? Uh, aside from Evan Mendoza, 
the third baseman that we mentioned, he's the best of the three. Um, Nunez, uh, uh, Gorman, and Montero. He's easily the best of the three, most consistent of the three. That arm is strong. He's he's a lot more fleet-footed for being as big of a boy he is. Uh, uh, I guess that's the sneak peek there. There really isn't a whole lot to say other than that. Uh, Pat B is too busy hanging out with Randy Flores now. Oh, that's great. All right, so uh, real fast as we end our prospects after dark tonight. Uh, for everybody at Birds on the Black, again, Tara is doing, I'm going to start with Tara. I'm very here for Montero comeback season. Me too. I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see something more like 2018. I think it'll take him a second to get going, but I think once he settles in, we're all in for good stuff. Uh, uh, Shep, USMC says, shit, I'm drunk. Uh, I can't type. Do you think Ozuna really wants to be a Cardinal? I do think Ozuna wants to be a Cardinal. I think he loves the clubhouse. I think he loves St. Louis. I think he loves the area, but I also think it's smart, uh, from a contract, uh, push standpoint uh, to, to get it out there. And plus, I'm, I, he loves the fans. You know, you come from you come from the Marlins in Florida where nobody cheers for you and there's nothing going on down there to hear and it's probably like two different worlds and he probably loves that. I'm going to stick with Montero is greater than Bellinger. Take take from January. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, so I'm going to start with Tara. Tara is doing amazing stuff working on the, ma- the minor league baseball contraction stuff. Uh, uh, that is amazing. It's so well done. Please, please read that article. I, it's for my money, it's the best thing that Birds on the Black has produced. I mean that. I swear by that. I I, I was so impressed by it. Uh, Graham just called Quinn an idiot. Perfect timing to shut this thing down. Uh, uh, ben Cerruti's working on his player projections. I, I'm excited to see what Ben's got going on. Ben wrote a great article about uh, projecting a Jack Flaherty uh, contract that I, I was very, very good, too. Um, aside from that, Cards Cards is doing the card annals that is amazing. Uh, Tara does rock, for sure, Randall. Uh, uh, th- he, he released his like preface of that, or his prelude to that. It's wonderful. Listen to it. He tells the story of baseball in St. Louis, and then drops the hammer on you about it. Uh, and then it's a great, great lead into what he's working on. And all of the people who have helped him, you know, Lauren Bundy in particular, like big shout out to Lauren Bundy for all the work that she's done. Uh, and there's just countless people who have helped with that project that go to show you how amazing the Birds on the Black, Black community is, how awesome the PAD community is. Forever grateful for you, all of you. It's it's awesome that, you know, we can have a project and you're all a part of it. Um, uh, Stu Styles, our good friend Stu, who does the amazing write-ups in season, the game recaps. Uh, Nick Childress, uh, uh, Dennis. Uh, uh, you know, and of course, uh, my, my brother from another mother, Cardinals Gifts. Uh, I, I love each and every one of them. And, you know, uh, uh, Zach Gifford, who doesn't really write all that often, but when he does, it's tremendous work. I steal Cup of Joe, who, whether he realizes it or not, is now back to being a part of Birds on the Black. Uh, Adam Van Grack to the Van Grack family that I, I, I view as, again, uh, surrogate family. I hope everything is well with, with Adam and Caleb. Uh, I, I'm a privileged and proud to be a part of Birds on the Black. I'm sure I missed someone in there, uh, but uh, to be a part of Birds on the Black is an awesome thing. You're all a part of it, by the way, uh, and thank you so much for, for allowing us to entertain you and inform you on a semi-regular basis and as often as we can provide you the information. To all of you, uh, I raise my glass. To all of my family at Birds on the Black, I raise my glass. And that's all I have. Uh, if you listen to this and if you are watching this, you're a part of the resistance. We appreciate it. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. The next time we talk to you, we'll probably have maybe a guy or two that has been non-tendered. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll have a complete recap of all of our position rankings. Please go to Birds on the Black and check that out. Uh, go buy some merchandise, too. We got the ugly sweatshirt. That thing's back on. We got the iAvocado pad. Uh, get one of those. 
uh, enjoy yourselves. Again, the resistance is strong. Uh, for everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, this is a damn pleasure. I am forever grateful for all of you for allowing me to provide the entertainment. Uh, 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 Graham, I love you. Uh, I'm going to just ream out your holes once we get this over with. Uh, and as always, everybody, happy hunting.